What's up, my boy? Man, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing good, man. You know, before we get started today, man, you know, of course, you know, we want to give a special uh, happy Mother's Day out there to all the lovely, beautiful, hardworking, self- unselfish, selfless uh, Mother's Day out there in the world, especially our mother. So, you know, happy Mother's Day, mom. And happy Mother's Day to you too, mom. Yeah, so we hope everyone, all the mothers out there are having a great Beautiful day filled with love and joy and happiness, smiles, laughs, everything. We really hope today is a special day for everyone. All right, so now that we got that out the way, I have a confession, Black. What you got, man? What's up? I got a confession, man. So I'm going to keep it real, Black. You know, that's, that's, that's what I have to do here. And, uh, you know, my birthday was this past week. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's right. If one of your favorite sportsologists is climbing a ladder. He's 36 years <laughs> of age today. All right. Um, let's get So, you know, we had a great time this weekend. You know what I'm saying? My family, my friends, you know, we all get together. And it got kind of heated uh, towards the end of the night on my birthday. Um, we was playing uh, a lot of games throughout the night. But one game in particular, me and Black um, was playing towards the end of the night. And that was the game of Uno, <laughs> the legendary card game of Uno. So, I know a lot of people out there run the spades and they do all that. And that's cool. But me and Black are Uno guys, and it can get real heated. So pretty much me and Black shut the party down. People was just like, this is getting too intense. Let's call it a night. <laughs> so the next day, I went over to Black Crib. You know what I'm saying? We was chilling over there, hanging out, you know, talking a lot of trash. And I told that boy, put his cash up. Put your cash up. You know what I'm saying? Let's put a dub on the series. And you know, you know, I lost. I lost to Black. I lost in Uno, two games to one after winning the first game. And uh, Black cleaned up uh, a decent uh, $20 from uh, me on yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to speak my truth. Because I know Black was going to try to slide it in there at some point. Yeah, man. I was going to wait to the end to kill you with it. But uh, I see you want to get that out the way early. So it's cool, my boy. But uh, look, man. It's highly competitive over here against me and my man D, you know, so that's just the way it go down. You know, like we said, uh, if y'all ever hung around us and people who don't know us, y'all would be a little afraid, you know, the way things go down. You would really think that we're about to to fight or get into it. But uh, it's not like that. We're just highly competitive dudes about everything that we do, especially when it comes to sports. So, yeah, man, once again, though, your man's black. Remains Uno champ. We got to invest. We can't be the same old Dolphins we was. We got us a coach. I love the coach. I love the team. I love with the direction. But we got to take tour. If you don't, if you don't disagree, come on, nigga. Tour tackle of Leoa. QB Alabama. His very first move as the executive was to sign Lamar Odom, who was on crack! Oh, 
right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back to the Sports Desk. Welcome to the Sports Desk. This is episode 57. I'm your man's, one of your favorite sportsologists, Deidre L. Hicks Jr., one more time. And this your man, Black, one of your favorite sports, one of your favorite sportsologists back in the building for another episode. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of course, we are very, 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 very happy to be back with everyone for one more episode. You're listening to the sports show, New Sports Desk. All right, man. So we got a lot of dis- to discuss today. Now it is Sunday. It is Mother's Day. I know a few people are listening and saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are they not going to cover the last dance? How are they going to do that? Well, me and Black have ways around it, and we used our ways to go ahead and view episode seven and episode eight, which will be taking place. So by the time y'all hear this, everyone would have watched episode seven and seven and eight. But me and Black, you know, we were privileged enough to go ahead and watch uh, seven and eight so we can go ahead and do our uh, our show this week. All right. So we're going to talk um, last dance. A lot of topics there that we're going to talk about. We're also going to do our starter, our uh, top five. We're going to do our start, bench, and cut. We're going to get into the UFC. UFC 249 that took place in Jacksonville, Florida on Saturday night. We're going to get into everything that took place there. And last but not least, all of our NFL fans, man, we are going to get into the schedule. The 2020 NFL schedule was released for every team. Monday night football, Sunday night football, so many mega matchups, intriguing matchups uh, that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk Jaguar schedule, Cowboys schedule. We're going to talk about the Patriots, the Bucks. We're going to get into a few things uh, today. All right. But of course, of course, we're going to kick off the show uh, like we love to do here. We're going to do our start, bench, and cut. And I got to say, Black, last week was pretty fun. You know, we had. Uh, we had our 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 homeboy, our friend, one of our friends, Cedric Farr, uh, participate and get us going. And then the great Freddie Bricks uh, jumped in there and gave a, a what an improv start venture cut with his Florida Gators man. Yeah, so that was yeah, pretty fun. Yeah, that was pretty fun. All right, Black. So you ready? Yeah, man, ready to go. Let's get into it. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it, man. This week's edition of Start, Bench, A Cut. So, of course, Black, you know, I, I got the advantage here of putting you on the hot seat, man. And and uh, I think this is going to be a really good one, man, because I think going to be really, I think you're really going to have to think about what you're going to do uh, with these gentlemen uh, with this week's edition. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into it, Black. First up, shooting guard, Indiana Pacers, Reggie Miller. Up next, shooting guard, Dwayne Wade from the Miami Heat. And last but not least, shooting guard from the Philadelphia 76ers, Allen, the answer, Iverson. So we got Reggie Miller, Dwayne Wade, Allen Iverson, top shooting guards of all time in in, in NBA history, Black. So, Black, I need to know, man. Black, who you starting? Black, who you benching? And most importantly, Black, man, who you cutting, bro? <laughs> yeah. I love it when I got them going. I love it. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. But um, I'm going to start AI. Ooh. 
Ooh, okay. I'm gonna start okay. AI. And I'm gonna bench. Mm. I'm going to bench Reggie Miller and cut D Wade. Ooh, wee. So let's get this straight, Black. You're gonna start Allen Iverson. You're gonna bench Reggie Miller. And you are going to cut Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. All right. Good go. Black. Good go. All right. I'm going to give him a little two cent. I am also going to start Allen Iverson. I am going to bench Dwayne Wade. I am benching Dwayne Wade and I am going to cut Reggie Miller. That is correct. We just had to talk about this, bro. We did have a talk about it. We did have a talk about it. (laughs) Reggie Miller, Dwayne Wade. Allen Iverson. And you're going to cut Reggie Miller. I'm cutting Reggie Miller from the you team. you sure about I'm that? I'm positive. I'm positive. <laughs> I'm taking Dwayne Wade with me. Dwayne Wade, Allen Iverson, y'all come on. Hey, Reggie, we'll holler at you later, bro. So uh, that's how we rock. Okay. So, All hey, right. y'all give y'all input, man, on the start bench and cut, man. Reggie Miller, Dwayne Wade, Allen Iverson, three of the top shooting guards ever in NBA history, man. We would love to hear uh, what you guys got to say about that. I am back. What it do, baby? All right, man. So we're going to get into our sound of the week. So Black, it gets harder every week, every week, man, to come up with the sound of the week. But I found a funny one. I actually stumbled, excuse me, I actually stumbled uh, on this video, man. I think it's really, really hilarious. So I'm going to set the scene. We're going to kick it with the TNT guys right here. Charles, Chuck, Kenny, and uh, uh, what's my man name? Uh, uh, man, I feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> What's my man name? Ernie Johnson. Uh, Ernie Johnson. Yeah, Thank you, yeah, Black. Yeah. All right, man. So y'all check it out, man. Uh, this is this one is funny. Take up eight minutes and beat your damn self, Mr. Sensitive. No, I know, Mr. Sensitive. Okay. Do it again. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> don't you want to weigh in on this? No, game, I don't want to weigh in. Go, no, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it, Shaq. Yeah. You know what I'm telling you, Mr. Sensitive. Yeah. Well, no, I ain't sensitive. I'm gonna knock your ass out. Of <laughs> I'm telling you right now. You play him if you want to. Supposed to be one, two, three, not one, two, back to one. With your dumb ass. <laughs> Do it again, Chuck. Oh, man. Yo, dude. I'm telling you, it's going to be hey, some fun. Hey, 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 so, Chuck. You're repeating yourself. You who was a better high school player? Kenny, I ain't in the movie. It's supposed to be one, two, three, three, not one, two, back to one. Not, I'm okay, not okay, saying no jokes. Okay. I'm not saying no right. jokes, man. Hey, funny. That's him, man. That's all him. Say what? Do it again. Kenny, why don't you go ahead and say what you're going to say? I'm going to throw this I think it's fun. I'm gonna throw this metal, metal damn can at your ass. Oh man! See, yo, he's been getting on Shaq all night. That's what it is. No, Kenny, you started messing with him in the back. No, I didn't. You started with the whole. No, you said you started with the You started with the Felipe Lopez. No, you said Felipe. You say Shaq. Didn't Kenny make you mad earlier tonight? He said Felipe Lopez was a better player than you. Let a high school player because we watching 30 for 30. He said that. He's like he's taking home. Know me that I ain't playing right now. I ain't playing right now. You got a minute. All right, man. So yeah, so that was uh that was on the set with the TNT guys, man. Uh, to me, the greatest NBA show out there, man, is these guys, Kenny, Shaq, Charles, and Ernie, man. So Shaq was pissed off. Uh, Charles and Kenny played a joke on them. They didn't go to Shaq after they was giving an opinion about a story in the league, and they just went back to Ernie. So Shaq got pissed off. You know what I'm saying? That they left him out. So of course you heard, you know what he was saying. All right, uh, with that one. All right, man, so we're going to move into our 
I think we're going to go to our top five, man. So last week, man, we got some good participation um, last week with our top five. So let's go. I think last week we did our heels. Yeah, we did. We did the greatest heels, our, our favorite heels of all time. So we had some, uh, some of our faithful listeners, man. We got my man Quest at Quest71084. He said in no particular order. He did it. A lot of people don't know about New Jack. All right, uh, from the underground wrestling world, man. I know who New Jack is. He gave uh, that. Y'all Google New Jack. This dude is wild. He's a wild guy. Up next, he gave Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. He gave Shawn Michaels, DX Shawn Michaels, the big boss man. One of them Fred yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, he gave uh, one that we kind of probably slept on, the Million Dollar Man, oh, Ted DiBiase. Yeah, man. That was a good one there. And then, That's of course, a good one. Of course, he had uh, Hollywood Hulk. Hogan, all right? So, uh, we got my boy PJ Durrell, all right, from the Reduce Hunch podcast, man. He gave his top five. He said, uh, Vince McMahon, Triple H, Edge, the rated R superstar Edge, uh, 97-98 Shawn Michaels, that's DX, and Randy Orton was his number one. Okay, okay, yeah, Randy yeah, yeah. Orton was kind of okay. on, the, on the same lines as you, Black, uh, with Orton just going... Just mentally, mentally insane <laughs> uh, out here. Quite a wild beef with Triple H and those guys like that. So that was uh, the participation we got uh, from last week's top five. All right, so we're going to get into this week's top five. But before we do that, of course, let's do our thing. <laughs> Right, man, so let's get into it. So, you know, me and Black were scrambling, scrambling, trying to put something together. In, and Black hit us up with the uh, alley oop, man. So, we're going to give our top five starting five in NBA history. All right, we're going to give our starting five. If we had to put a team out on the floor by position, by position, we're going to give our top five on that. So, Black, give me your team who you were putting out on the floor, Black. Okay, this was kind of tough, D. Yeah, it was. It was, was kind of tough. It this was, was kind of tough. But uh, at number at, at at number five at the center position, I'm going to go with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm. At number four at the power four position, I'm going to go Tim Duncan. Okay. At the number three at the three position, small forward, I'm going LeBron James. Okay. At the shooting guard position, number two, I'm going Kobe Bean Bryant. Yes, sir. And at number one. At the point guard position, I'm going Stephen Wardell Curry. Oh, wow. That's a shocker there. <laughs> that is a shocker. Did not expect you to say Mr. Wardell's name, but I can't blame you, Black. We're only talking about the greatest shooter in NBA history, man. So that's an interesting and unique starting five. I like that. Yeah. I, I would love to hear the conversation about your starting five. All right, man. So I'm going to shoot mine out, man. At uh at center, I'm going with Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Most dominant force I ever seen in my own eyes. At number four, I'm going Kevin Garnett at the power forward Ooh. position. I'm going KG at the power forward position. At number three, I'm going LeBron James. Le LeBron James. I'm going LeBron James at the small forward position. And at the two guard, man, it's a no-brainer for me. We're going Kobe Bean Bryant all night, all day. Line them up. Let's get it. And at the point guard position, man, I've fallen in love with this, this player, his story, and everything I've been seeing. 
I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas, man. Ooh. I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas as my point guard <laughs> coming into the gym. All right? So that's Shaq, KG, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Isaiah Thomas. That's a good five. Walking into the gym. Yeah. Let's see what's up. That's a good five. So we would love to hear from y'all. If y'all are putting together a top five, I mean a starting five, the rollout uh, for a game of basketball, we would love to know who it is. All right? So y'all hit me up. Smooth, Tay, Sid. We want to hear from y'all. Fred, y'all let us know. Who are your starting five when it's time to really get going out there? All right. So that was good. That was good. That was good. I definitely did not expect Wardell name uh, to be thrown out I there. know you did. I said, oh, yeah, this is going. Yeah. Some people going to be like, huh? Greatest shooter ever. <laughs> Greatest no, shooter ever. They shouldn't say tongue too hard. <laughs> All right, man. So we're going to get into our, our tweet of the week, man. We're going to talk to it. So, hey, Black, man, you know, the schedule came out. NFL schedule came out, and of course, a hot topic out right out here in Duval County is, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That passionate rant that we got from you and Fred last week is still ringing bells out here, man. <laughs> so we're gonna talk. We're gonna read off a couple of tweets, man, about some people uh, who was, you know, not feeling the best uh, after the schedule came out, and we had a one person who was a little optimistic. Yes. All right, let's get to it, man. So we got my man's. Man, he got a crazy name. My man's. Okay, J4 Jigs S. All right, he says, "What kind of schedule is this? This year gonna be rough. We play a lot of top tier defenses, and if everything goes right, I mean nine and seven doesn't sound too bad. But in my humble opinion, I pray that we go one and fifteen, and let's get this Trevor Lawrence train rolling." <laughs> Alright, so that's from J4 Jigs, man. And then we got my man Jags fan, but not but they oh not the Jags fan, but they poop. That's his uh Twitter name. He say, not the toughest schedule in the world, but with our coaches and our management, I'd say two and fourteen this year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alright, then we got one optimistic fan out there, sort of. We got at old number seven. This team's better than most people believe. So nine and seven to seven and nine is realistic in my opinion. Go Jags. Alright. So we got a uh... oh, shout out <laughs> Shout out Jesus, man. Y'all can get this up in the wild iTunes. Uh tiny anything, you know, motivation on the field. Let's get it. Alright, so that was some uh some tick some talk about uh the schedule uh that we're gonna talk about much, much later in the show. So, of course, man, let's get into it, man. It's time. It's time to talk about episodes seven and eight of The Last Dance. But before we do that, let's do our little spiel. You guys not allowed? No, I'm just kidding. What time is it? Game time. Our mentality was to go out and win at any cost. Jordan is the most talented player in the NBA by far. The show of the 90s, the team of the 90s. How you feeling? Whenever they speak Michael Jordan, they should speak Scottie Pippen. We created an image that people want to live up to. I think that's all you can hope for. All 
All right, man, let's get ready to get into it, man. So like I was saying, uh, as we started the show, me and Black were uh, a privilege to view episode seven and eight this past Saturday. All right. So by the time y'all are hearing this, everyone would have seen it. But me and Black had to watch it so we can give our do our show. All right. So we already know what's going on before you did. All right. But hey, this is what we do here at the sports desk to try to put out that content. All right, Black. A lot of bullet points. A lot of bullet points from seven and eight, man. But we're just going to jump right into what they what they really kicked off with. All right. Um, And I'm going to let you start us off, Black, because I I really have a little rant that I want to get off uh, concerning this topic, man. They jump right into Jordan, Michael Jordan's father's death. Okay. They jump right into the story of what had happened. Uh, uh, long story short, they bought Jordan bought his father a uh, brand new Lexus, red two door Lexus. The plates on the back of the truck had twenty three twenty three something like that. Kind of basically, you know, tagging it that it was Michael Jordan's vehicle. No one really had this car. His dad was out riding. Uh, got tired, pulled over. Uh, two cats pulled up on him, intended to rob him. They shot him, killed him. And um, a search was put out for Michael Jordan's father because he was missing. Ultimately, his father was found. And that is uh, how they opened up episode number seven. So, Black, of course, coming after that, this is the, the third title was already won. Mm-hmm. Uh, three championships in a row. Jordan's on a high. Everything's going well. And then this personal tragedy comes along with the gambling stuff as well. So what was your take on that, man, seeing what we saw, you know, what Jordan did with the loss of his father. Oh uh, man, it was uh it was really sad to watch, man, and see how the death of his father, how much it weighed on a lot of people. And on Michael especially, the loss of his father. And um I think the one thing that really stood out about the death of his father's was the rumors mm-hmm. around why his father father died. Mm-hmm. And th- it didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. And they tried to Kind of, you know, media being media, people don't want, don't like Mike, want to see Mike fail. Mm-hmm. Kind of put it off on his gambling. Did they think think some with his gambling had something to do with his his father dying, and that wasn't the case. No, you know, it was just a young kid. Uh, it was a young kid out. You know, uh, <laughs> happened to, to no see good, a man. Hap, up to no good. Happened to see a nice, very nice vehicle. In those days, a very nice vehicle. Very nice. And. He and he go he he proceeds to rob Michael Jordan's father. Yeah. So, I guess the kid panicked. Yeah. You know, and and took his body and threw it over yeah. the ledge and into the river. So, yeah. I th- it's 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 very tough to talk about losing a parent, but I uh, I don't know how that feels. But looking at this documentary, you can see how much it weighed not only on Mike, his mom. You know, yeah. fans of Michael Jordan who who love Michael Jordan, <clears throat> and the the bullshit people yeah. that have put this on Mike are so wrong for that, so wrong for it, D. Yep. And I did not like not one bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like this man lost his life to a kid who was just up to no good. I don't even. I probably don't even know the kid even knew that was Michael Jordan's father. Probably didn't. You know, I don't. He probably didn't know. Probably didn't. So that part, that part of starting the way it started off, it was kind of tough. It was sad, yep. you know, to see that. But y'all, people, people, the way they did Mike, man, it was so wrong in the media, man. Like trying to put his gambling situation. Leave Mike alone, man. He's not a bad guy. You know, he may not be. 
he just likes to gamble on himself. Mm-hmm. But y'all always want to find a way to twist things around on Mike because y'all just got to find something bad on one of the greatest players of all time. Mm. You know, the man was at the top right now and then in the midst of, in the midst of retiring and going to play baseball and then his father dies and then y'all just find some type of reason to blame the death of his father on him. Like, what type of people, what type of people do that? Only the media. Yeah. Only people that didn't like Mike. Yeah. So that part was really tough to watch, D, uh, the loss of his father. Yeah. I agree. Um, it, it's very interesting to see Mike in these different lights. Um, all we know is a global icon basketball player. All we know is a global iconic shoe brand. That's all we really knew before this started. Even though we know the story of the loss of his father, we didn't get to see you know, what it looked like, you know, they took us to the funeral, they took us to Mike, you know, you know, just dealing with it right at that point in time, man, and and the whole story is sad, man, Black did a great job explaining the story once again, but I don't, that's not where I want to go, I want to continue on and talk about the articles and and, 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 and the, and the rumors and, and the dirt and the negative light, they sh- tried to shine on Jordan because of, it was, it was, it was, put out there that he had a gambling problem you know they 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 use that to try to tear mike down and bring him back to earth a little bit so when his father passed away you see storylines like michael jordan uh michael jordan couldn't come up with the money to pay off a bet so he sacrificed his father's life uh michael jordan bought the car and put a target on his dad because the gamblers didn't want money. They wanted their life for the debt Michael Jordan had got into. Like, I'm reading these stories and I'm like, bruh, like, don't get me wrong. Is this possible in the world today? Yeah, it is. This is a sick world that we live in. But you you mean to tell me that a millionaire, a billionaire guy who walks around with $60,000, $70,000 loose change in his pocket couldn't pay off a $100,000 debt? <laughs> like you mean this guy couldn't take care of no debt or no bet or nothing that he had out there that he had to sacrifice his own father's life it was utterly preposterous and it was disgusting yes it was it was terrible to hear and to see those things and i'm glad mike spoke on it i'm glad that he did because you could tell it still bothers him to this day it does you can tell like he the, the, the it's like a mood came over the tv and, and and the energy was different when Mike was having to just put out there like, it's utter ridiculous. Like, this is my father. This is the most important figure in my life that I've known. This man taught me how to be a man, how to work hard, how to stay focused, how to go after things that I want, how to accomplish them. And, 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 and for the media, because that's all it is. There's no factual evidence. There's no proof. There's, no, there's nothing, nothing out there. Criminally, nothing was out there to even insinuate that this man has something to do with the death of his father. You know, and I think those people out there who put that story, stories out there, like how, how do these people sleep at night? I can tell you how to sleep at night. They want the money. They want the ratings. They want the attention. So anything that they can use, anything that they can use to get notoriety, they'll do it. And they even did it to the greatest player in the world, the most global iconic figure in the world. They did it to him and tried to put his father's death in his hands Mm -hmm. and me watching that it was utterly disgusting and i don't know about you black but i was just ready for that part to be over 
Because it was really, it was like irritating me, dog. Yeah, yeah. That was real. It, it, like I had an itch going on, man. I was yeah, like, it man, kind of make you just, upset. Yeah, it, it was like, upset. man, this is wild, man. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that Mike spoke on it, and I'm glad that they got through that part rather quickly. And 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 I, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, me and Black gave our spill on it, and I don't want to talk towards that yeah. part and, of it anymore. And, I don't. And and, I, and the last thing I'm gonna say about it, I, I, I'm pretty sure, and we haven't seen the last two episodes yet. Right, but I'm pretty sure that was the toughest part for him to talk about. Yeah, through this, probably through this whole documentary. Sure, you know I know sure. that probably was the toughest thing, especially with all the backlash he was getting. Yeah. and like you said, D, these are people who don't have a heart. I don't, I'm just gonna say they don't have a heart. All they care about is the money, the ratings. They don't care about nobody but themselves. So yeah. they're willing to bring a person down with them. Crazy, because because they want to be what what that person is, or they don't want to. Yeah. They want to be at a level where well, I want to be the one with the fame. I want to be one recognized. It's crazy. No, not not bringing a a basketball player in a, in a figure, a world figure like Michael Jordan down. Yeah, like it was horrible to watch, man. It's crazy. And, like, and I agree with you every step of the way. I was so ready for that part to be over with. Yeah, it was pretty sad, man. All right, so we're gonna move forward, man. Uh, the documentary continues to get better after that, of course. Now we go into the retirement. All right, three championships won, fame, notoriety, top of the top, top of the food chain, however you want to say it. Mike was the guy. I'm guessing at that time, if it wasn't Michael Jackson or if it wasn't the president of the United States, <laughs> there probably was other notable figures in the world globally at that time. But MJ had had enough. We've seen in the episodes before he was stressed. Uh, he was feeling real heavy. Um, the, the the Jordan Rules book had came out. The negativity started to pick up, and Mike just had had enough. He had enough, and um, he retired. He called a press conference, and he retired. But then the myth, the 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 the, uh, the media got a hold of it, and they were saying this is David Stern's way of suspending Michael Jordan for eighteen months. But they could just say he retired due to gambling and stuff like that. So, of course, they had the great late David Stern come on and say just utterly preposterous, like just utterly preposterous. And I believe Stern 1000 yeah, percent. He I was a, he was a fair commissioner, but he was a no nonsense type of guy. Yes, he was. When things took place. So, Black, what did you what did you learn and how did you feel watching the whole retirement develop? Because we we heard about it, but now we got to see, see what it looked yeah, like. Yeah. yeah. And as a kid, I got I, I, re, I remember him retiring. Yeah. But I don't remember like the press conference or yeah. seeing the press conference and all that happening at the white Sox game. And yeah. And I don't, I don't remember it getting leaked. Like we didn't, we weren't able to know as kids. Nope. It got leaked early. You know, they nope. were already talking about it. It got leaked to, uh, some, some reporter and yep. boom, it, it, it blew up like fireworks and, yep. uh, Mike happened to be at a white Sox game and he yep. couldn't even get to his freaking car. Like, nope. and then when he did go, the next day and then uh, announced the retirement. And I think the thing that really stuck out to me and really showed me how big Mike was when he announced his retirement to see all see all the little kids crying, see him crying, like not just only in the uh, in the gym, uh, gymnasium where they were in Chicago, but they showed footage from people around the world, like looking at the footage and kids were crying outside of in Chicago on the streets, looking at like how big Mike was to people, how much of an impact he had on little kids. And I think it, 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 it hurt, it, it hurt me as a child to see Mike retire because I was like, no, like this guy means everything to basketball. You know, he was, 
He was the breadwinner for basketball. He was the reason why basketball was where it was at. Yeah. You know, so seeing all that and then seeing everything that he had to deal with and then the retirement, it, that was another tough part too because I can I can remember it. But um, it's just so sad to, that like he can't even he couldn't even have his retirement uh, yeah, yeah. happen the way that he wanted it to happen without yeah. it getting leaked. Right. You know, and and it's crazy. I could just imagine. I I was sitting there as we was watching. I'm just thinking like, dang, like, what if Mike was doing this in the times we in now? Oh please! Like, <laughs> it wouldn't even be a reason to have a press conference. No nah, man. It would a press conference for what? No, nah, Instagram post to get it Exa- done. Exactly. Like <laughs> Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, they're going to give you a whole press conference right there. Yep. But like in those times, like a, a story leaking. It wasn't really heard of like that. No. You know, it wasn't really heard of. You really didn't hear about stories leaking until really Michael Jordan. You yeah. know, a, a big pillar uh, in, in sports and in the world. So, man, that was, it, it was crazy to watch, man. But seeing the little kids and everybody that looked up to Jordan shedding tears about him retiring, like, they thought it was just, it was just over with. But that, uh, that stuck out the most to me about that part. Hey, this reduced lunch sports, man. Come on now. Yeah, man. So I remember the retirement like it was yesterday. I mean, I was out at my auntie's house hanging out for the summer and uh, running around playing with my cousins, man. And I remember, uh, I think More Money, More Problems was the video that was on TV with Biggie, uh, Puffy, and Mace, man. And I remember my my uncle was like, he was listening to the radio, but he was outside. Mm-hmm. And my uncle was like, he came running in the house. He was like, hey, hey, I need that. I need that. Turn the NBC. Turn the NBC. They say Michael Jordan is retiring. So um, th- this was the thing, though. Like, there's no social media back then. So he's running in the house midday in the afternoon, screaming, "Michael Jordan is retiring!" And th- and I'm like, "What?" I'm, I'm sitting. I'm a young kid, like retiring. Like they just won a championship. <laughs> and sure enough, you turn to NBC, and there's Mike with his wife and the owner and, and Kraus and everybody. And you know, he sure enough was was retiring. And I was like, "Wow!" Like, like you said, the emotion, the tears. Like people was like really, really having a tough time. You know, dealing with this part, man, of Michael Jordan leaving the game of basketball. But at that time, you couldn't kind of wrap it all together. Of course, the heaviness of winning three straight titles. Of course, the heaviness of his father passing. Of course, the heaviness of the Jordan rules book and all the negativity that's starting to come on. And now he don't have any privacy. Like, he just wants to lay down and chill and he can't even do that. Like, every time he walks outside of his door, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people trying to grab at this man and he's literally been the biggest star in the world <laughs> the, in, not just the sports in the world just the <laughs> world he's been the biggest superstar in the world for maybe what the latter five to six years mm-hmm. maybe five to six years he's been the biggest icon and he was done he didn't have nothing left to give and the famous quote that he gave in that speech was when i lose the drive when i lose the fire um it's time for me to step away like he said that, you know, in the retirement press conference. So I think it's one of the most iconic sports moments when he retired. You know, I think even now it's going to get elevated even more because now you, you see the interviews. You see all the analysts starting to talk about like what happened and people are like, what's going on here? Like, why is this happening? So it was a human moment for Mike. And what I was so that now that I'm thinking about it now, Mike had the wherewithal and, 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 and had the, the, the smarts. To listen to himself. He didn't listen to Krause. Because Krause was like, you sure you want to do this? 
Like, Phil, Phil Jackson was the only one that understood. Phil was like, the guy's been through a lot. It's been hell. And Phil was like, I understand. Phil wasn't mad. None of the, everybody, BJ Armstrong and the boys was like, what? Hell no. Like, ain't no way, Mike. Nah, nah. Everybody was like, no way until he actually did it. So getting to see all of the different angles from everybody who was involved with the situation was dope. And uh, I'm glad we were able like to see and hear more about it. Because the only thing we knew going into the do- before going into the documentary was, oh, Mike retired at three championships. That's the only thing we knew. Yeah. But we got yeah. to see the other piece of that. And you know the other thing that did stick out about that part too as well? Uh-huh. He didn't shut the door all the way on the NBA. No, he didn't. Not towards he didn't, the, yeah, he, towards he the didn't, end. He didn't. Yeah. Short, he didn't shut it all the way. We all know he retired, and he he didn't have the drive or the passion no more. I wanted to do everything that came with being a basketball player or, or, or dealing with the media and everything and so forth and so forth. But he never shut the door cleanly right. on basketball. No, he did not. No, he did not. And that leads us to what was Mike going to do competitively? You know he just can't sit around, but lo and behold, this man ends up playing minor league baseball, signing a minor league deal with the Chicago White Sox, which then he went down and played with the uh, uh, Alab- what it was the Alabama Barons, the Mobile Barons, <laughs> the I Mobile can't, Barons, yeah, something, something like that, Birmingham man. Barons, the Birmingham, like yeah, Birmingham, the Birmingham, Birmingham Barons. Barons. That's where he ended and, up. And then, if y'all don't know Birmingham Barons, that is the minor league team for the Chicago White Sox. Yes, yes, it is. So, black man, I we was watching this together. And you were very intrigued. You, 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 your antennas went up when they start discussing uh, Mike's run with minor league baseball. Black, so talk to us about what you learned and how you felt seeing Mike out there playing baseball. And you saw one of your favorite guys uh, working with Mike as yeah, well, didn't you? I did, man. I yeah. was that part was really interesting to me. Uh, and I'm a sports guy. I follow baseball and everything as well. So to see, uh, to see Mike in that. And that set up in basketball. And then one thing that was really crazy to me when they first showed Mike practicing baseball, he was in the freaking uh, gym. inside the gymnasium, gym. yeah. hitting baseballs, throwing the baseball. Yeah. I'm like, what's going on? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> he had uh, he had the uh, the nines on the black white uh, the yeah. black white yeah. and red nines on yeah. uh, practicing, and I'm like, what is going on? So I'm like, man. I'm saying to myself, like, hell no, man, what's going on? Like, <laughs> but. And then it, it, it then it went further, and then they and then they brought one of my favorite baseball managers in and st- to start talking about about Mike, Mister Terry Francona. Yes, sir. If no one knows who that is, that that is that is the former Red Sox. Uh, uh, that is the former Red Sox manager who won two World Series rings, and he is currently the Cleveland. I mean, the Cleveland Indians manager mm-hmm. now. So to see, and he was the manager of the Birmingham Barons when Michael Jordan was there. Yep. So, so to see his input and how he just was in awe of Mike and the yep. things Mike did, and he and he even said it, because we, me and D were saying before we heard what we heard, we was like, hell no, nah, man, Mike wasn't no good baseball yeah, player. They're trying to make ash. him look. But, yeah. but, yeah. he really was a good baseball player. Terry Francona said, he was like, look, guys, he wasn't a bad baseball player. The guy hit 202 and drove in 55 runs. Right. That's pretty decent. That's pretty good for a minor league baseball player. Mm-hmm. You know, and he and and then he had a ride where he had, I think they say he went on a, a streak where he hit like 13 or 14 games straight. Yep. He had a hit in 13 or 14 games straight, and then he hit the slump. Yep. You know, he went into the slump. And and from now on, that's when now that's when people really start. That's when it got blow out of proportion. Well, 
he's not good at baseball. We didn't. Yeah. We re- coming up. We really didn't hear about the good stuff. We did not. We're hearing about it now in the documentary. Yeah. Yep. But we didn't hear about Mike hit, drove in fifty five runs yep. and hit two hundred two in baseball. But yep. we always heard about oh he's struggling or he's striking out this many times. Right. Or he's he's uh, uh, hitting into double plays yeah. or you know that's what we heard about coming up. Yep. I can remember that and it was yep. just. Dog and Mike, like he's the worst <laughs> baseball player. How could the how could the White Sox even take a chance on him in and even in minor league? But yeah. man, to see like to see even baseball players, players, I mean managers, and Terry Francona speak the way he spoke of Mike. He said Mike worked hard, like he worked hard in in, in basketball. Yep. You know, Mike had to change his whole body around mm-hmm. for baseball. He worked with his uh, what is his workout? I I can't remember his name mm-hmm. exactly, but. He had to change Tim his Grover. whole body. Yeah, he had to change his whole body around. And he was like, Mike, it's not going to be easy. Right. You know, you're going to have to go through a lot. You know, baseball friend is more about cardio and mm-hmm. everything with baseball. But to see that transition into baseball, it was it was shocking. It, I was like, no, man, this can't be like this. But yeah. to see that even in baseball that he worked hard because he loved it. We know that we know that Mike wasn't the best baseball player, but that was something he wanted to live up to. For his father, because his father always wanted him to play baseball. Yes. And to see Mike, you know, fulfill that dream for his father, it was perfect, man. Yeah, it was great. It was great, man. It, it was good to see and hear those things, because I was telling Black while we was watching it. I'm like, man, Mike was trash, bro, in baseball, bro. Like, they, they going to try to make Mike seem like he real good. And then here, here comes Terry Francona, <laughs> like, saying, yeah, the guy was pretty good. Like, he in 202, driving in 55-plus runs, man. Like, he's knocking fastballs out the building. You know, going on a 13-game streak, knocking out, uh, uh, hitting balls, and then, you know, it happened. Now players are trying to hit him with a breaking ball. They hitting him with a changeup and mm-hmm. things like that. And Mike's not having to readjust something else because he was getting down-the-line fastballs <laughs> uh, for a while. But people started saying, hey, this dude can this dude can play a little bit. Let's kind of yeah. see where he at. But it was dope to see. And, and, and I love how Mike broke it down saying that, he was afraid that when he came in, they were going to treat him like old Michael Jordan icon. But they didn't. They treated him like one of the guys. So Mike was very comfortable in that element because it wasn't people just kind of hang on his jock. Of course, you know, people want to say, hey, Mike, can, you, can I get the autograph? But I'm pretty sure that's normal to Michael Jordan, giving yeah. out an autograph. But treating him like he's this godlike figure or something like that, he said that didn't happen. They treated me like I was one of the guys. And he said he had a great time, man. He had a great time. So... I'm glad that we also got to see more in-depth footage and more interviews and hear stories about uh, Michael Jordan playing minor league baseball. So, you know, Mike wasn't trash, you know. And, and Frank Corner was saying that Mike was doing better than some of the highly touted uh, prospects <laughs> that we had hoping yeah. to get to the major leagues. <laughs> yeah. So when he said it, I was like, oh, man, okay. like, yeah. And you could tell Frank Corner was being true. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. wasn't there juicing Mike. He was, he was keeping it real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it uh, turns out Mike was a decent uh, minor league uh, baseball player. So we roll out of the minor leagues, man, and we're going to go back with the Chicago Bulls. Life without Michael Jordan. You got Pippen, you got Kukoc, you got Horace Grant, you got B.J. Armstrong, you got Steve Kerr, you know, Luke Longley, but no Mike. You got Phil, but no Mike. So we got a chance to to, to really kind of look at one incident in particular, all right? So the year uh, after that, Mike retired. The Bulls had a pretty good year. Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen was ascending to 
one of the, or if not the best player in the league at that time, they were saying this was Phil Jackson's greatest coaching job to keep the Bulls afloat, competing, make the playoffs. They sweep in the first round. They head to the second round. And a moment happened, Black. And this is a moment that a lot of people don't even know about. This is a moment that wasn't, we don't. We didn't even know the extent of the situation until yesterday. So we're going to go, to, I think it was game three, game two or game three with the Knicks uh, in the second round. Last second shot, uh, Bulls were uh, down one, you know, trying to win the game. Phil Jackson draws up to play for Tony Kukoc. He draws up to play for Kukoc, who had hit eight game winners during the season from the top of the key, right inside the three-point line, eight times. That season, Phil knew that he can get Tony in that spot, who was a good scorer, who was a good player at that time. But he went Scottie Pippen and Pippen had a problem with that. And Black, we saw Scottie Pippen lose his mind, told Phil he ain't going in the game, tell him the hell with it. Scottie Pippen was not even on the floor for the last second shot in the playoffs. And lo and behold, what happened? They ran the play, Kukoc catches at the top of the key, throws up a beauty, bottom, Bulls win. Bulls win. And then after that, you've seen sports. And this is what I loved about it. Me and Black was talking while we've seen it. You've seen sports. Bill Cartwright, the elder statesman, the leader, the, 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 the father figure of the Bulls at that time, the leader of the team at that time, stood up in front of the team with tears in his eyes. Getting that Scotty, letting him, I can't believe you quit. I can't believe you let us down. We're brothers. We grinded. We've been together for so long, and you just quit on us because you couldn't have things your way. And Scotty broke down. Scotty was crying. And then you see Mike come in and other people come in saying, you know, Scotty was wrong for that. And I agree. Scotty was dead wrong for conducting himself in that manner. And I get you being pissed off, Scotty Pippen. I get it. You're the best player on that team and very well could have been the best player in the league at that time, but you quit on your squad. You didn't go out there and finish the fight. At least go out there and run the play, and if you want to cuss Phil out or do something after the game, by all means, do that. That's your right to do that as the best player on the team, but you quit on your squad. So, Black, how did you feel seeing the Bulls have that pretty good season without Mike going into the playoffs, and then what happened with Scotty not participating on the last play? Well, you know, uh, I think the thing that really stuck out the most to me, because I was trying to, I had said while we was watching that part, I was like, I feel Scotty. But I got to really thinking about that thing, and I was like, nothing really, nothing justifies quitting on your teammates. Nah. Nothing justifies that. Nah. And, because I was feeling kind of bad for Scotty, because Scotty was having MVP type year. Yep. Like DJ said, potentially best player in the league at that time, and Phil wanted to go away from him. And I was feeling like, okay, well, if Mike was playing, you wouldn't have went away from Mike. You right. know, so I'm thinking, I'm like, but but if if it did happen to Mike, I thought about what Mike did. Mike wouldn't have quit on his teammates. No way. He wouldn't have, he he may have said something to Phil after the game, or be like, Phil, you wrong. You know, you wrong for doing that. This that ball's supposed to be in my hand. Yeah. But he would have never sat out on the bench and say, I'm not going back in. Uh-uh. He would have went in there and did what he was supposed to do, or took the ball in his hands himself and not <laughs> <laughs> and not ran the play field said and did his own thing. But Scottie Pippen, you know, saying that he wasn't going back in, didn't see the 
reaction to Phil because I feel like Phil part in that because Phil could have I feel like Phil could have been like what but Phil was just like basically F that okay we're gonna go this way yeah you're going in yeah Phil like showed no no emotion to him saying he wasn't going back in he couldn't he was like look we're gonna go and win this game cool yeah. coach you're gonna take the shot the next guy up you come on in yeah so to see that from out of field I really think that played an important part because that allowed uh the teammates to see okay feeling he feel not uh not cool with what he doing. Right. You know, Phil could have been like, Scotty, come on, man. No, he, he didn't do none of that. Because everybody else, Scotty, that him just being him by himself, it's, it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then to see Kukoc hit the shot and win the game, that was that was really uh, a good, a really a good scenario at that point in the, uh, in the, in the documentary. Mm-hmm. But to move forward to after the game when Bill Cartwright got up, man, tears in his eyes and this is a guy who they didn't win three. They didn't win rings together. Three rings, and to see the emotion and to hear about the emotion from Bill Cartwright saying, "Scotty, you gave up on us. Yeah. You gave up on us. That's what you did. Mm. You know, in sports or whatever we do, we give it all. We don't quit. It, even if it's not sports, if it's something you believe in, it's something you want to. You don't quit. Mm-mm. You know, you don't tell. That's like I would never tell my. I would never tell D my brother." Bro, I can't, I can't do this no more. I'm mm. not. No, we brothers, bro. If this something we didn't signed up for and we doing together, we gonna ride this thing out. Mm-hmm. I would never quit. You, Scotty, you were wrong, bro. Mm-hmm. You were wrong, and I could, and I can agree with Mike. And I was laughing at Mike first when he stayed when he when he said it. I was like, Mike said, uh, Scotty will always carry that stain on his shoulder mm-hmm. of quitting, and he will. Yes, he will. After seeing, once people see this, mm-hmm. they're gonna be like, dang, man. I feel like that's going to be the talk. Like, Scotty quit. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what people are going to be talking about in the barbershop. Scotty quit. Like, because people didn't know about this. No. But to see how Bill Cartwright got up and kind of basically played that leader role mm-hmm. in the locker room. Like you say, the, the, the grandfather, the, the, the uh, vocal leader in that locker room. To see him get up and put Scotty in his place and tell him, no, bro. I understand what type of player you are and who you are, but you wrong. Bro. We your teammates. We didn't won three straight rings. We didn't been through everything together. And for you to quit on us, that's wrong. Yep. And see Scotty break down and, you know, go on to apologize to all his teammates, man. And Scotty knew Scotty had to do that. But that's something Scotty will, I agree, carry with him f- all time. He even said it himself in the documentary. He was like, I wish I would have never did that. That's something I think about every single day. Mm-hmm. So to see that happen and then see what Bill Cartwright did, man, I think it was a great thing to show how you can be put in, no matter how big you are, you can be put in your place for doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. Well said, Black. I mean, it was just, a, it was an interesting part of the documentary, man, that like Black said, a lot of people didn't know about. You know, and especially not to that depth. And and me, I had never heard that story. Me now, neither. I, I knew. I thought I knew Scotty wasn't a part of the last play, and I thought Phil took him out. Phil ain't take him out. Phil he, Scotty took himself out. You know what I'm saying? So that was a real interesting part of the documentary uh, at that point. Hey, bro, you listening to the sports desk? All right, man. So we're gonna get into the famous two words, man, that started rumbling. Um, after the Bulls, uh, um, that year, the Bulls lost in the second round to the Knicks and the following season, the Knicks, the Bulls just weren't doing good. I mean, everybody was back, you know, well, you had some, Cartwright was gone. You had Steve Kerr there, Luke Longley, 
Um, it, it was it was you know Horace Grant had left, signed a five year, fifty million dollar deal to go to the Orlando Magic. The Bulls were struggling. They were like thirty one and thirty four at that time the following season, and the rumors just started coming, coming, coming. And I love the part where Mike Agent was talking. Um. When Mike finally said, you know what, let's get back to it. You know, so I'm ready to go back. You know, let's get something together. Let them know I'm, I'm ready to get back going. So his agent wrote out one statement. And Mike was like, no, nah, that's not genuine. I don't like that. Wrote out another statement. And Mike was like, no, nah, that's not cool. I don't like that either. And the agent was like, well, hell, you you write something. Here. So he said he gave Mike the pen and the pad. And Mike wrote down, I'm back. And gave it to his <laughs> agent. And they faxed it over to the Chicago Bulls. And that was it. Yeah. And then next thing we see, we see Jordan pulling back up to the Bulls facility in those shiny, beautiful Concord 11s. <laughs> I mean, them things was looking beautiful, yes, they you was, know, when Mike boy. was wearing them. So, Black, Michael Jordan is coming back. The Bulls are at this time out of the playoffs. They're, you know, struggling. And, and, and Scottie Pippen was wearing the 10s, putting them up to the camera, telling Mike to come on back. So, it's happening. Now he's back in the building. So, Black. Just from the I'm back, j- just what we saw with Jordan coming back to the lead, the media frenzy, you know, Mike coming back in the 45, you know, th- you know, wearing the 10s, going into the 11s. Like, what did we, how did you feel seeing just more, seeing the more in-depth story about him coming back? Man, it was awesome to see. But I'm going to tie this in because seeing that part, let's go a little bit before okay. he even said I'm back. We in footage they were in the documentary they were showing us what led up to I'm back. Okay. So we were seeing from BJ Armstrong, yeah. you know, Mike was coming to see how the guys were doing. Right. You know, and <laughs> uh Mike got challenged to pick up games. Yeah. But I said, Well, you ain't got it no more. You done been going playing baseball. Yeah. You ain't you ain't got it no more. So <laughs> Mike happens what to get someone's tennis shoes yes, and he did. you know, start practicing with the guys. And from what we seen in the documentary, we heard Mike was giving it to people in practice. Yes, he was. And uh, as as time go on the documentary, you see Mike showing up, just just kept showing up. They mm-hmm. showed like maybe one or two, like two more clips where Mike just showed up to practice. Yep. This was before I'm back. Yep. So, and then that's when we, and we, had to, we had the part where, you know, he's with his agent, like he said, he's with his agent. So, and he was, his agent was like, well, you write it. And he wrote, I'm back. And so, and if no one remembers, uh, I'm not sh- I could be saying the newspaper wrong. I remember this as a, kid it was a the chicago journal or tribute or something like that you see a biggest day on the paper in black letters i'm back <laughs> yep and it just had his name and i'm back yep. that's it and i remember that as a kid seeing that on tv yep. you know and everybody was like what wow everybody was just like what did this come from how did this how did this happen as kids then we didn't see the footage no we did of him not. going to practices nope. none of that we didn't get to see that so Everything's coming together now as we're watching the documentary. Okay, this is how he started getting the itch back or coming back to play basketball. Or, oh man, I think, I think I can come back. I can do something. We can do something great. Or, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be back in basketball to yeah. see the lead up to him showing up to practices and, and start practicing with the team. Mm-hmm. So, man, uh, him coming back, uh, pimping, showing the shoes. And then, like D said, this, this, this is the part where I got infatuated after seeing this. The Concord 10s. I was just like, 11. D, 11s. I'm yeah. sorry. The Concord 11s. I'm like, D, boy, them things look so beautiful, clean, boy. Yes. I mean, it seemed like every other scene that was showing the Concord 10s. On. Every other scene yeah. in practice. Yeah. If, he was, if he was running uh, 
playing games, pick up games uh, with other NBA players. They were showing in, in in practice. I mean, he just went on a spree where he was wearing the Concord tens, elevens, <laughs> all the times. I'm sorry, yeah. all the time. So, man, it was amazing to see uh, that part of him saying he coming back and how he got the itch to, you know, want to be back in the game and want to be back with his teammates and the Bulls. So that was very interesting. Yeah, it was dope, man. Yeah, you. Uh, I'm glad you remember to bring up the B.J. Armstrong story, man. <laughs> and uh, Mike was like, you know, get all the guys together. Get all the guys together. I would like to see everybody and things like that. And B.J. is like, what? Like, for what? You know what I'm saying? He just want to stop by. You know what I'm saying? And for him to have those quick little pickup games before he was, you know, ready to come back, it was just a real dope story. You know what I'm saying? These stories that we're getting are so great, man. And just to tie in everything with the I'm back from BJ Armstrong and the newspaper and his agent, that was real dope to hear, man. All right, man. So before Mike really got back going, you know, he um he did the uh, Space Jam film and, you know, he the Warner Brothers created this uh basketball gymnasium, sanctuary, bubble, whatever you want to call it. And Mike is a sneaky old devil, man. He uh, knew he was getting ready to come back for the next season. You know, he had came back with a 45. Um, okay, before we get to that, he had came back with a 45. Uh, the Bulls made it to the playoffs. All right, they got through the first round. And then they met up with the uh, Orlando Magic in the Eastern Semifinals. I think it was the semifinals yeah. they ran up with the Orlando Magic. And, of course, they lost in six games. And this is the part of the story that was just so cool to see the adversity from Michael going up against a young Penny, a young Shaq, uh, the, the, uh, Horace Grant, you know, former Bulls player. They get to a game six. You know, Mike is struggling. You know, he's not the health, he's not healthiest, but he's not, you know, back in his basketball shape, basketball body. They get the game six, man. Orlando Magic knock him off. And uh, Horace Grant is being hoisted up in the United Center. And they're, you know, raving him up. And of course, Orlando goes on uh, to the NBA Finals. But um, we, we never, from the time Jordan won his first championship to the time he retired. We never saw Mike lose. We didn't see him lose for a long time. He retired, went to the Barons, came back. We didn't see Mike lose. So to see Mike in that instance become possessed, (laughs) upset, and then the beautiful moment that Mike was saying, like, look, you know, coming into the next season, Steve Kerr, Luke Longley, Guys who think they're just going to come in and win a championship. Like, they've been a part of the three rings before. Like, these guys around here pussyfooting and not knowing what's going on. He said, just set them off. They just set them off. These guys don't know what it takes. They don't know what it, they don't know what it take. And he, he started getting tears in his eyes. He was like, he wants to win. And if you're not going to be all in, locked in, focused, and sacrifice, you shouldn't be here. Like, he was, tears was in Mike's eyes. I was like, man, this dude is literally obsessed with winning, all right? So before we get into the uh, the next season, the Space Jam gym, and we've seen Reggie Miller. Oh, yeah. We've seen Jawan Howard, <laughs> Dennis Rodman. We've seen a lot. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. Yeah, we've seen David lot, Robinson. A lot yeah. of players. And you see these images, Black of Mike sitting on the end of the court, and he's watching. He's just watching. And then they reveal later on that he was studying these guys. <laughs> He was studying these guys to see who they, you know, what they were about, what they could do. So, Black, how did you feel about Mike setting up the league, telling them to come on out to the Warner Borders gym? Because Reggie Miller said it became a thing. Yeah. Like people was like, hey, have you been out to play uh, ball with Mike? 
out there at Warner Brothers. You know, it was a thing. It was night in, night out. People was coming in. So how did you feel about seeing that? Yeah, man, it was it was it was crazy to watch. But I want to touch on one thing that we what we talked about while we was watching it. Like Mike had a gym at Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's something that we have never heard of in our life. They built him a gym on in in Warner Brothers on on the set of what he was filming Space Jam. And that was amazing to me to watch, like to see him because he because he basically was filming, training, you know, uh, and everything all at one time and having shoot around games with some of the best NBA players in the league. Yes. And um, to see to see Reggie Miller's life, he was like, man, this guy was a, a robot. Like <laughs> he's 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 scrimmaging. We playing pickup games and then he's he's back at it at four in the morning. Yep. Like. He's on set and then he's training like he was like the guy. The guy's a robot and then he's still out here doing his thing with us. But to see him, you know, taking mental notes of yep. everybody that's out there playing, yep. like some of those guys just came for the pickup, but some of those guys were also in the Space Jam movie, yeah. so they were there. Yeah. So to see Mike setting everything up, like getting that, getting that competitive drive going back, coming back, you know. He's on a mission. Mm-hmm. So he was like, yeah, I'm going to have these guys come out. And Mike, it's always a reason. We see it's always a reason behind Mike and everything he does. Yep. He's, he's highly competitive. So we're seeing it. He's sitting on the sideline studying these guys, you know, taking mental notes of everyone's game. And uh, we see why, you know, moving down the line, we see why. But, man, that whole thing to see all of those, those uh, you see it more now in these days. But back then, people were so competitive that, they were like, man, I'm not going to practice with this guy, man. I'm not doing that. But yeah. Mike, like, they was like, man, this Michael Jordan. Reddy Middle said he was like, man, Mike te- hitting us up, asking us if we want to come out. Shoot, we be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so seeing the pickup games, man, and everything going on, that was uh it it was crazy to watch that. Yeah, it was dope. It was it was dope to see the footage of it. It was dope to see the footage of all those guys out there playing ball and hooping out there on the set of Space Jam, man, and 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 getting a sneak peek to seeing Mike. Like Black said, Mike was getting up at four in the morning, doing a little workout, going to the set, doing a scene after the set, doing weightlifting, going back, finishing up a scene, and then later on that night, here come the fellas coming out. To run some pickup, man. And this man did this for an entire summer. But like Black said, Mike was out there taking mental notes of the league. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, you know, what the scene was like. Because he knew coming in the next year, after coming back for half of this, well, not even half the season, a little less half of the season, Bulls making it to the playoffs and then losing to the Magic in six games. You know, that was a mental note of what was happening, man. So let's let's transition um to yeah, and, 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 and one thing that we forgot about, too. We're going to go back to the Orlando series. Uh-huh. And um, Horace Grant, I got. I think we have to speak. I I need to speak on that. And, All right. And hearing how you know, Mike already has problems with Horace Grant, even yeah. on the Bulls. Yeah. Now he's with the Magic. He's with these young Gunners and Shaq and Penny and uh, Nick Anderson. Man, Nick Anderson was crazy. Yep. That uh that year in the NBA, if yep. if, if no one do- doesn't remember that he was on a tear. Yep. Nick Anderson. So. To see that in that light and then see Horace Grant be like, tell his teammates like, yo, that ain't that ain't the same Mike. Yeah, say 45, you know, he ain't said 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike came on, he was like, okay. I thought it was time to bring out Mike 23. 23. So I think he came out the game with 23 and dropped with like 50. He, what did what, he have like 50? I think 40. He had like 40. 40 like 40, 40 something. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he had 40. And then that's like, they go on, you know, I think Chicago win like two straight yep. in that series. And then they go back to Orlando. 
Well, no, they in Chicago. They lose the six uh six game in in Chicago, in Chicago yep. and then they they horse they horse uh horse Grant up in the air, put him on his shoulders, yep. and Mike said. I'm not gonna forget that he said that's what drove him insane that summer. All summer, all summer. He re- he said I'm gonna remember that them lifting Horace Grant on his shoulders. See, this one thing we learned about Mike in in these two episodes. Mike always found something, <laughs> something to drive him, or something. Some the it can be the simplest thing, and Mike gonna find. Okay, you want to do that to me? I got something for you. I'm gonna show you. And like and and like we seen moving forward. Mike was just doing everything during the summer, filming, yep. basketball, training, weightlifting, everything. Right. But that mental note of Horace Grant played a big part in what Mike was doing that summer. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And, you know, kind of riding off that, coming into the next season, practicing, got the new young pup in the building, Steve Kerr. Uh, they running five on five. Steve Kerr's team is losing. They're practicing. You know, Mike says, feel, you know, Mike was amped up. You know, he was back. Mike was back and getting his team in shape, trying to be a leader, trying to get these minds, get these guys' minds in, in position to think about winning the championship. And uh, the fight, you know, they, they've been teasing, man. So, you know, Jordan took on Steve Kerr, and then he fouls him and fouls him hard, and he telling Phil, like, yeah, that's a foul. Call that, you know, because foul star call. Phil was calling these ticket tack fouls, as Mike was saying. And then uh, Steve Kerr was like, look, man, I, I just had enough of this guy. You know, I just had enough of him, man. I stood up for myself, and I went off, and I punched him in the chest. And then they go right back to Mike and say, yeah, and I hauled off and punched him in the eye. <laughs> you know, say Mill th- uh, Phil throws him out of practice. And, um, you know, Jordan, you know, and, and, and I like this part from Jordan talking about the Steve Kerr fight. Mike was like, I felt bad instantly. You know, here I am, you know, picking on the, one of the smallest dudes on the court, punching him in the eye, you know, coming off as like this bully. You know, Mike didn't want to do that. You know, Mike was trying to lead and be intense and trying to get these guys a position, but he didn't, he didn't enjoy fighting Steve Kerr, you know, and punching him in the eye. He, he, and he apologized to him. So he called the Bulls, got Kerr's number, apologized Steve Kerr. You know, Kerr said they talked it through. They worked it out, and Steve Kerr believes that moment in some kind of crazy way was, was you know, a, a pivotal moment going into uh, – the historic season yeah. uh, that they embarked on. So, Black, what'd you think about hearing about the fight, how it all came about and how it broke down? Yeah, man, that was crazy to, to, to see that, man. And then seeing everything that led up to that as well. Like, Jordan was like, man, I'm here, man. I'm working hard during the summer and we back in training camp. And these guys over here cheering and acting like they done done something. Like, bro, y'all wasn't on them three teams that we won championships with. Y'all wasn't <laughs> on those teams and y'all was hitting... Nope. Acting like y'all didn't done something. Y'all hadn't done anything. Nope. You know, so you got Steve Kerr and then the guys that wasn't on that team, those teams that won championships, acting like they... Yeah, Luke Longley. You know... Bill Winnington. They the dudes. Mike was like, no, y'all not. Y'all haven't done nothing. Right, right. Y'all haven't proved proved anything, especially to me. Y'all hadn't proved nothing. So Mike was like, I'm in practice, man. I'm... Throwing elbows at him, I'm talking trash. I'm, 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 I'm picking on. I can't. Uh, Burrell, what was his name? Scott Burrell. Scott Burrell. He was like, I made it a focal point to mess with Scott Burrell in practice because mm-hmm. he was one of the softest ones. Yeah. You know, and then the thing come about with him and Steve Kerr, and the thing I like about with Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr say, look, man, um, I'm competitive too. Right. He said that out of his mouth, and I was like, wow, man, that's Steve Kerr. Like, you know, he was, he was just they shooter. You know, they guy, he came in there to shoot the ball. 
And to see him, he say like, I'm not finna back down from you, Mike. You know, I understand you, Michael Jordan, but I'm competitive just like you. I may not have all the skills you have or do the things that you do, but I'm still competitive. And to see Steve not back down from Mike and then they get into their little scuffle. And then, like you said, Mike uh, saying, man, I got to get I got to get Steve's current numbers, man, and call. And and Steve said uh, ever since then, after they had their talk ever since then, man, they were on good terms and everything was locked in with them moving forward. Yeah, man, I think it was a, it was a, you know, you heard about the fight. You heard about Mike punching Steve Kerr in the face. You heard about that. But again, you never hear the whole story. So I was, it was dope again to hear the whole story going into that situation with him and little, <laughs> and little Stevie Kerr is what they called him uh, back in the day in Chicago. All right. So coming out of training camp, high, putting the season in the high gear, the Bulls went on a historic, historic, historic season, man, going 72 and 10, man. Um, just the footage that they were showing, man, like just blowing dudes out. Scotty Pippen on the plane telling uh, uh, Jet Bushler looking at the schedule. I'm like, man, we might not lose a game these next 30 games. You know what I'm saying? And Jet Bushler's like, what? Like, that don't even sound right, but it happened. Like, them boys won 23 straight at, at one point, man. They never lost a back to back game the whole season. You know what I'm saying? So, just at that time, the Lakers had held the record with like 69 wins. Mm-hmm. The Bulls come back and win 72 wins, break the record. And uh, you start seeing the uh, hats and the T-shirt, don't mean a thing without the ring. Don't mean a thing without the ring going into the playoffs. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, Black, what did you think about just seeing, I guess I guess the history of it all, man, with that 72-10 and 10 season with Rodman there now and Jordan and Scotty and they just clicking on all cylinders and it's like Jordan never left. Yeah, man, um, it was amazing to see. And then that goes to show, like, in the offseason, everything that they did, we're seeing it now. We're seeing it in that season. Like, hard work that went in, in uh, on the offseason is showing in the regular season now, man. And to do something historic, like, that has never been done, you know, and they did it in the toughest years of basketball, man. And to go 72 and 10, like, that was that's historic, you know, for them to do that. and. Like you say, they was <laughs> it was amazing to watch. Like I can't even remember them beating teams like that. Like I mean, they beating teams by 30, 20, 25, 30 points. Like yeah, no mercy. blowing teams out. Like <laughs> and uh, it was amazing to watch all that happen. Then that that season, they just it, they were on a mission, man. And Mike had every the thing that stuck out to me. Mike had every person on that team focused, clicking, focused. Everybody was on the same page. One none. That's probably, I really feel in my heart, that's probably the easiest coaching year Steve uh, Phil Jackson had. Was that 72 and 10 season? Like, the guys was all focused. So his job was easy. Yeah. His job was easy. And uh, to see that man happen, 72 and 10, um, that's very historic, man. And it's something that always sticks out in my mind. They were the first team to do that. Yeah, 71. And, and, and uh, it'd been done in the 90s, in the, uh, in the, ni- in the mid 90s. That was like, we was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even remember the Lakers winning 69 games. No. But we was like, man, these guys just won 72 games as kid. That's like crazy. They Insane. lost 10 games the whole year. Yep. 80, what, 80, 80, how many games? They it's played? 82 games. 82 games season. Like, yep. and you only lost 10 games. And the season's from November to what, March? Before the playoffs, Before yeah. Before the playoffs. Yep. So it's cra- it was crazy to hear, man. And that's. That'll always stick out to me, man, that uh, 72 and 10 t- uh, season. Yeah, just a wild, wild thing. Even looking back on it now, of course, we know the Golden State Warriors uh, came behind the Bulls a few years back to go 73 and 9. 
Uh, but, you know, we ultimately know what happened to those guys. Uh, don't mean a thing without the ring. And uh, <laughs> we know who walked away with that ring, don't we, Black? LeBron James. <laughs> Le- LeBron James. Yeah, so let's get back to the uh, last dance. So, all right, so 72 and 10, don't mean a thing without the ring. Hell of a season. Bulls break the record. They got the most wins in NBA history. And let's get to the playoffs. So let's pit stop the Charlotte Hornets series. All right. We got BJ Armstrong, former Bulls player. Mike likes BJ. BJ and Mike had a good relationship. He was a star and point guard for those three championship teams, but he's moved on. And now he's playing for Charlotte. So they get Charlotte in the second round. And BJ was like, man, I had a moment. You know, I had a moment. I'm scoring. You know, they, they you know, really, really playing well, man. He's doing a great job. And Mike is just not having a good game. And BJ is just getting off. You know what I'm saying? He's playing more minutes than usual. And and BJ just took it in a little bit too much. And Mike <laughs> made a mental note of that, man. And going into the very next game in Charlotte, I mean, Mike just exploded on the Hornets. I mean, just done in BJ Armstrong defensively. Mike told Phil, hey, I got BJ, you know, and Mike locked him up, man. He locked him up. BJ went like two for 19 or something <laughs> like that. Just didn't have a great, great night, man. And that story was really funny, man. So moving on to the NBA Finals. And this is where, you know, Black was talking about Mike finding that inspiration to get going. So Mike's there at the dinner. Uh, George Carl comes in with his people. And, you know, Mike's people let him know that, hey, you know, there's George Carl. And Mike was like, you know, North Carolina guy, you know, we see each other from time to time in the summer. You know, you know, say what's up to George. And George walks right by Michael. And Mike's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, that's he going to do that to me? He not even going to come over. He not even going to speak to me? Okay. Okay, cool. The series ain't even started yet. This series didn't start. So, Black, what did you think about Black? I mean, what did you think about Michael Jordan getting, like, just getting off to the fact that George Carl didn't speak to him right before the NBA Finals, man, in 96? Man, when I seen it, I'm like, man, it's like this guy has to have something. He does. A mental edge. He does. Something to, like, to get him to that next level to just go slap off and to give, basically, what we call it, some of those great Michael Jordan moments. like. Yeah. <laughs> no, George Carl was just being competitive. Like, yep. I'm finna coach against you, guy. I'm not finna talk to you. I'm finna and, socialize with you, know, man. Drink no wine or smoke no cigar with nah. you, bro. We got a game we're gonna be playing in the next couple days here. For a championship. For a championship. So I don't got much to say. So most people be like, okay, I respect that. I understand it. But no, not Mike. Not Michael Jeffrey Jordan. No. Mike made it his business to make a middle note of. George Carl not talking to him. Yep. And was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go out here and just do something. Cr- get him the business. And did he and ever. And did he ever do that? <laughs> yes, he did. You know, just for George Carl, like, I don't think you, <laughs> sometimes I don't think you screwed too tight up there if you got to, you know, <laughs> take mental notes of things people have done to you and then use that as fuel. You <laughs> no, know? you're not wrapped too you, tight. You, bro, you, you Michael Jordan, like, how much, how much ammunition do you really need? You know, how much, what do you really need? You just want people to, oh, Michael Jordan, hey, how you doing? You, you know, nope. come on, bro. People still are competitive. Yeah. You know, just so like and that's all they were doing. But yeah. 
It's crazy, man. Mike, the littlest thing, man. Mike's going to take it. And he even brought up a part. And now I think when he played the Wizards and some rookie kid just had a game out of this world, like 37 points. Uh, oh, yeah, for the Bullets. For, for, yeah, for, for the, the Bullets. Some Alfred. Washington Bullets. Yeah, yeah some, some guy. Alfred, yeah. And the uh, game, the dude said to Mike after the game, like, yeah. good game, Mike. Nice like, game. Put his arm over Yeah, but he was showing respect to Mike. No, he don't do that. Mike was like, uh-uh. They say Mike came out the next game. The next night. The next night. Yeah. And had freaking 37 in the first quarter. First, yes. <laughs> yes, I think the kid had 36 the whole game. The whole game. And Mike had 37 in the first half or something crazy like that. I was like, man, seeing that, man, that just let me know how freaking crazy Michael nuts. Jordan is. He's nuts. nuts. Like, when it comes to the game of basketball and yeah. getting playing them mind games and them head games, like, Mike was top-notch with that, man. Yeah. And, 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 you know, transitioning into the NBA Finals. Like, you got the story that he told uh, – well, before we get there. So, the Bulls went up three games to nothing. A lot of people don't recall that, like, the Bulls was up three games to nothing on the Supersonics. The Supersonics was a huge underdog in the series. They weren't expected to win anything. And it looked like the Bulls were just going to totally sweep and roll these guys right out of the door. But that didn't happen, you know, and, and if George, who's to know, who, who's to know if George Carl would have put Gary Payton on Michael Jordan a little bit earlier in the season where things would have been more competitive. I don't know. But you mentioned Gary Payton, the glove, and, you know, we saw the story and Mike was saying, uh, you know, Gary Payton was saying, you know, I was all, I was all defense on that year, defensive player of the year mm-hmm. that year. And, 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 you know, they put me on Mike and I bother Mike, you know, time out, this and that. And they switched the camera to Mike and Mike is like laughing <laughs> hysterically. Then Mike he's looking goes looking at the up, video. They let him see it. Right, right. And he's laughing. Yeah. And then Mike goes, the glove. I had no problems uh, with the glove. Uh, none whatsoever. <laughs> Gary Payton. None whatsoever. Man, that thing was so funny. Yes, it was. Because Gary Payton was talking like he really... Had that potion for Mike. Yeah. And Mike was he like, felt like he was doing something against Mike. Yeah. yeah. And Mike was like, bruh, it, it wasn't nothing, dog. <laughs> but it all worked out, you know, in that series to create probably one of the most um, emotional, memorable moments for Mike. Um, the Supersonics come back. They win uh, two straight games. And then they force a game six. They force a game six. And game six was on Father's Day. Uh, this was the first. Um, this was the first final, first closeout situation for Mike without his dad, and it fell on Father's Day in Chicago. The Bulls ultimately win that game, and we always see the video of Mike crying, holding the ball, and people think it's because oh he came back and got another championship. No, his father wasn't there. Mm-hmm. His father wasn't with him to be there and celebrate. And I don't know if you paid attention to it, Black, but we heard the audio of Jordan crying. We did. We never heard it. Mm-hmm. We just seen the video of him crying. And that thing touched me, bro. Like, to hear the raw emotion of yeah. this man. Just, it's like he was just bottled up throughout the years. I ain't going to say the season. I'm going to say the years. Yeah, of his father since passing. Since his dad passed. Yeah. And it's like everything just came 100 miles per hour. When they win this championship, and it's like Mike runs to the back, man. Like he just runs to the back, and he's just on the floor, just giving it all up, balling, gasping for air. I I hear the gasp 
from Michael Jordan right now, you know, because yeah. he was crying that hard, man. And just him grieving his father's loss. But at the same time, getting back to the mountaintop, being a champion again, but ultimately it didn't really mean that much. Why? Because his dad yeah. wasn't there to celebrate with him. Yeah. So I think that was a very powerful moment yes, it uh, was. of the documentary, man. With yeah, man, that, uh, that was, it, it was really powerful. Like D said, man, like, Watching those games, we didn't get to hear it. We saw it. Yeah. You know, we 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 seen Mike run in the locker room and just fall uh face first on the floor. Yeah. And you know, we 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 seen the guys behind him put towels on him. We know Mike is you, you see you see his back moving up and down, so you know he's crying. You yeah. know he's going through something. But yeah. like D said, man, to hit the, to hear that audio, man, it just kind of it break your heart a little bit, man, because yeah, Mike man. been through so much, man. It's like. Tough. Everything he went through, man, with his father, yeah. all the all the all the naysay, all the all the reporters who want to put dirt on his name and try to make him look like the bad guy through all those years, man. It just came, everything came pouring out. Yeah, everything came pouring out. And then on top of that, Mike had already run three rings, and his father was at those. He was there all three. in the locker room with him celebrating all three all rings three. and to win this fourth ring and not be able to have his father right there by his side to celebrate. Yep. You know, that really did something with all the rest of everything else that was going on as well. Yep. So that was that was really, you know, heartbreaking to see Mike in that light. But him getting back up to the mountaintop, showing that he still is the he still is the best player in the league, the best player in the world. Yep. And to come through all that and get back to the mountaintop to win that fourth championship, it was amazing to watch. It was beautiful. I I, I really enjoyed that was one of the, the, the biggest moments uh for me watching episode seven and eight. All right, man. So we got uh we got pretty much through all of it, but it's one last thing uh, <laughs> that we're going to talk about, and they tease us, man. And me and Black, we thought we was going to get an episode yeah, eight, did. but we did it, and I'm kind of glad that we did because it left us on the cliffhanger. So they fast forwarded back to the uh, forward, back forward to '98. Yeah, they went back. Okay, they went okay. back from the fourth ring back to uh, the '98 season. Yeah. That season was tough for the Bulls. It was. You know, it was very tough mentally, physically. A lot was weighing. Of course, everything going on with Jerry Krause and everything like that. It was just tough. And they really, and, and I don't know if people noticed, we got to see it. Like, the Bulls struggled that whole, they were winning. They won. They struggled. But they struggled with every tough. team they played with. It was tough. It was tough. It was tough. All right, man. So, they get through the first round. Uh, they get through the second round. And uh, they get to the conference final. And the, the the part was so dope towards the end of this episode, man. So Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller was on this documentary, and um, the Pacers was a very, very good team that best year. team on paper. If you look at that Pacers team, that '98 Pacers <laughs> team, and that '98 Bulls team, the only thing that really separated the Pacers not being the best team was Michael Jordan. But you had a gun in Reggie Miller. Rick Smith, you had the Davis boys down in the post. Mark you had, Jackson. You had a young, yeah, you had a young Jalen Rose. You had Mark Jackson there as well. Larry Bird <laughs> is the head coach. Like these boys was ready to rock. And they were ready to win. Mm-hmm. This Pacer team, a lot of people don't remember. They went through hell and back against these Knicks teams. They were ready to go, man. So um Reggie Miller is talking, and Reggie Miller saying, we know this is their last season. We know there's a lot going on. You know, this is a championship team. We feel like we are the best team on paper. We're better than this team. And Reggie Miller said, I got to thinking, huh, I get to retire Michael Jordan. 
and then it went off. And then it went off, man. And me I was and, like, no, right. man. Right. Me and Black was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do us like this. Don't do us like this, man. So the end of episode eight was so intense. And if, 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 if you've seen anything on Reggie Miller, like the 30 for 30 when they were discussing them in the Knicks, Reggie just got a aura about him. Like the energy yeah. of Reggie, the competitor in Reggie Miller. Like, you know what he about. And he ain't playing no games. And that Pacers team was a great team, Black. So, yeah. and, and if people don't know, if you follow basketball, like Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan have history. Yeah, uh, they yeah. have a history. Yeah, they didn't been in some brawls together. If you don't know, some go scuffs, to, baby. Go to YouTube and look at those those scuffs they yeah. got into. You yeah. know, so it all leads. To, it's everything is coming up now. Yeah, to, to the Bulls. Yeah, versus the Pacers. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it went off. And I told D was like, "Bro, what you expected? I know we was looking for yeah, more, they but us. they gonna leave you. Yeah, you know, especially at this point. Yeah, now because." Remembering that series and how real it was, yeah. I could see why they did it like that. Because yeah. you got, I think a lot of time in the next episode is going to be spent there. Yeah. Yeah. So that series was, in my mind, I feel like that should have been for the championship. Because mm-hmm. that series was so, so good. But we're going to get into that. Yes, but we are. It, <laughs> it left you like with chills, like, oh, you know what's coming. And then to see the, to see Red. To see Reggie, I seen Reggie, and it looked like Reggie had a moment where he went back. He was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Yeah." I could retire him. That boy said. Reggie said. Reggie said, "I was really feeling that way. Like I could retire Michael that, Jordan." That boy say, <laughs> "I'm going to retire Michael Jordan," and it just went off, man. I just thought, I just thought it was so dope. I just thought it was so yeah, dope. It was, I just thought it, it was, was so dope, man. man. I just thought it was so dope. So, um, so yeah, so that was pretty much episode seven and eight. Uh, of course, we got nine and ten. All right, next Sunday, the conclusion of the last dance has been—it's been just epic, man. It's been an epic documentary, and, 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 and to for them to close it out uh, next Sunday, man, we are really looking forward to it, man. We have been blessed with this content with the last dance, and it's kind of sad that it's all coming to an end yeah, uh, next Sunday. But we are really looking forward to next Sunday as well, Black. So, you got any last comments on episode seven and eight? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I just really thought about it. I know we got this a little early peek at both. We got to see it early, but we're going to have to wait a little longer than most people usual because we seen it on a Saturday. Everybody seen it tonight. Yeah. So we got to wait a little longer. I'm excited about the last two episodes, man, especially how it left off. But, man, that, those uh, seven and eight were amazing uh, episodes, man. We we seen a lot of stuff that we didn't know from the retirement, from um, from him coming back, and then everything that he went through with his father finally getting to the mountaintop. Like some of those things, man, that we didn't get to see as kids. Like seeing it in his documentary is 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 so amazing. Like it's going to be something you'll be able to share with your kids, or be able to, they'll be able to see and understand. They're gonna be like, what What is this guy Michael Jordan? I hear people talking about. You'll be able to show them this someday, and they mm-hmm. can see about Michael Jordan and uh, the, the Chicago Bulls story and everything that went on with the Bulls. I agree. I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's been so good, man. And um, th- th- just, this is something that, you know, you're going to be, we're going to be watching from years and years and years and years to come, man. So just so excited. 
All right, man. So, yeah, so that was me and Black's breakdown of episode seven and eight, man. We're going to roll right into UFC 249 that took place last night. I've been trying to find some UFC theme music for the longest, bro. And uh, this is the only So all my real MMA fans, y'all know what that is. That was the original UFC uh, theme music, man. So you know, I try to keep it fun on the sports desk, man, and play uh, some 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 dope intros before we get to really talk about some things. But all right, man. Last night in Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County, UFC 249 took place, man, in black. We were treated to a great night of fights. This is the first official live sporting event since the pandemic with the coronavirus uh the ufc was able to pull it off they had a scare on friday night unfortunately uh ufc middleweight jacare souza uh tested positive for the coronavirus but the system that the ufc had in place they was able to isolate them uh keep them away mask up gloved up keep them far apart from everybody until the test uh results came back and the Fight with Uriah Hall was canceled, and um, you know he was uh he was sent home. But the event still went down, and thank goodness that it did. Yeah. So we got a lot of <laughs> topics to talk about, man. So let's start with the prelims, man. Let's go right into Donald Cerrone and Anthony Pettis. Uh, that was the main event for the prelims, man. Uh, it's kind of crazy that I wasn't on pay per view, but I can see why after we saw the main car fights, so yeah. why I wasn't. So Black, what'd you think about? Well, two questions for you. What'd you think about the fight in particular? Just what'd you see? And then how do you think Cerrone looked after the disappointing loss uh, from Conor McGregor just a few months back? Um, I really, it was a good fight. It was a really yep. good fight. Yep. I think Cerrone looked good, man. I think, I think, I think he got robbed. Okay, you thought you he know, won the fight. I thought he won the fight because yeah. uh, it was a point in that fight where he had um, Anthony Pettis on his toes, mm-hmm. you know, and. Uh, we already know, and then uh, we already know Anthony Pettis' ground game just doesn't exist for some reason. Uh, and uh, Cowboy was taking him down several times, you know. And I guess the judges seen or the power punches was going more of Anthony Pettis' way and gave him the decision. I don't know what that was, but it was a highly entertaining fight. Um, I just wouldn't have gave the nod to Anthony Pettis. I would have gave it to Cowboy. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. I honestly thought I was gonna come here and ask Donna Cerrone. Boy, what? What did you do in camp? Uh, but I don't have to ask that today. Even though he lost the fight, I'm I'm with you, Black. I kind of felt like uh, I kind of felt like Cerrone won that fight, man. Especially in the third round, he was pushing the pace. He was making. He was landing more shots. He was in. A, he was a little in a little bit more control uh, of that fight, and 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 I was kind of shocked that it was a unanimous. Uh, yeah. decision with Anthony Pettis, but don't get me wrong, I would have to rewatch it. But Pettis was, you know, doing a great job rounds one and two. I mean, he really was, man. But um, ultimately, you know, he lost the fight. So I would like to see Cerrone again because for a while, Black, I didn't know Cerrone was 
if he was done or not. I was saying he was done. <laughs> you said before that, that you were horrible, like, yeah. I just I thought it was done, but he showed fight and, yeah. and, and and he he changed my mind. But you know, at the same time, what else do you expect from Donald Cowboy Cerrone? Yeah, but I really don't know now with him losing this fight. That's like two in a row. Like, what does this leave Cerrone like? Are we going to continue to see him on prelim cards? Maybe. Like, maybe that's that's horrible to me because he's such a good fighter. You yeah, know? but he's been fighting a long time. Yeah, right? he has. He has. He's been he fighting has. a very long time. Very long time. All right, so let's go into it, man. Uh, Nganu, <laughs> superior <laughs> super heavyweight Nganu. I ain't gonna say his whole Francis Nganu, <laughs> but we're just gonna call him Nganu. Black before this fight, we was talking, man. It was for this fight. And Black, you know, you, you kind of believed in his opponent. Yeah, you, you I did. Kinda, you kind of believed in him. You, you know, you uh, you kind of thought it would be uh, a little bit more uh, entertaining than what I thought it was going to be. Yes, I did. And Black, you know, I, I hope that you didn't go, you know, to the restroom. I hope you didn't go grab um, <laughs> uh, some something to drink. I, I hope you didn't go walk off for a second, man. And then you came back. And um, your boy, uh, Jarezo Razatruik, was not unconscious in 20 seconds. He was leaning up against the cage. <laughs> so, Black, what did you think about? Hey, man, uh, I actually didn't go get nothing to drink or go to the restroom. <laughs> I was able to see this live, and I seen a baptism. Ooh. I seen a baptism. Um, I seen someone fall flat on a backside and uh into the cage lower hammers and was sleeping oh my god yeah he was sleep you know <laughs> he had to be slapped in the face to be woken up you know this guy a gandu man <laughs> he's a a machine he's a well oil machine like monster monster <laughs> like incredible hawk fist like <laughs> i don't know if y'all ever bought that fist from uh yeah. from from target the incredible hawk green fist like that's Sagano, you know, like it's crazy. Like this man's hands, if it touch any part of your face, you're going to sleep. Yes. And it doesn't even look like he's swinging with all his might. Like, it don't. It's like That's scary it's part. just like when he touches it, you're done. And this guy was a ten, an undefeated guy. You know, he had some. He and and the reason why I was giving him a chance is I got a chance to see some of his fights. And um. He was getting people out of here. I was like, okay, he could do a little something, but no, no, sir. He didn't. He got put to sleep in 20 seconds. And I, after the fight, I was all I could say was, oh, my God. Yes. Uh, D text me and said, bro, did you see that? Yes. I said, yes, I did, sir. Yes. <laughs> Almost not. But, man, like, uh, it's his time, man. It, he has to be the next one in line for a title shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm just amazed at, at, at Nagano's power. I, I try to remember and think of it, uh, other heavyweights who've possessed this type of power. I can't think. I cannot think of anybody who's possessed this type of power. This man is a monster, bro. This man is a monster. He literally knocked this kid's face off. An undefeated heavyweight fighter, bro. He literally knocked his face off, bro. Like, I just don't. I just don't. I just don't understand how this is even possible, bro. I don't understand it. I don't understand how this is possible, bro. I really don't. But the kid got in there. He called out Francis Ngano, and uh, Nagano made him pay, you know, for calling him out. All right? So currently, me and Black are watching the Money in the Bank pay-per-view on by the WWE. And don't worry, Black. Bray Wyatt lost, not The Fiend. So I'm not really worried about 
what we just seen with uh, Braun Strowman <laughs> retaining the Universal title. I see what they're doing, and we're going to talk about that at a later date. But I'm fine with Bray Wyatt losing. Long as The Fiend didn't get pinned in one, two, three, we're good to go. So don't worry, Black. All right, man, let's go back to UFC 249. Let's get to these championship fights, man. A little controversy here, man, with the Bantamweight strap on the line. We had champion Henry Cejudo defended against the returning Dominic Cruz. And the fight was stopped, man. And the second round, with only two seconds to go in the second round, the referee stopped the fight. TKO, Henry Cejudo remains uh, your Bantamweight champion. So, Black, what did you think of the fight? And what did you think about the stoppage, man? Man, uh, good entertaining fight for the, you know, for the rounds that it lasted. But... Horrible stoppage, man. Yeah. Horrible stoppage. And I agree with Dominic Cruz, man. If it's a guy who's, he, he still has some wit about himself and he's getting up, you don't stop that fight. And that's exactly what they did. You know, Dominic Cruz said, yeah, I shouldn't even put myself in that position. I agree. Because he got hit with a good knee. A he big did. knee. And then, so we know we all didn't see Cejudo fight. We have too. Right. You know, when he hurts you, he gets on you and throw. I mean, hell, uh, he throw uh, uh, multiple punches at, at at a quick speed, you know. So he, I think he threw like eleven punches. I, eleven. I counted. Eleven. You know how many times he threw that right hand in there? Yep. But at, at the same time of him throwing those eleven punches, Dominic Cruz, Dominic Cruz was not flat. He wasn't. He wasn't flat out. He was on one knee. Yep. On the one knee, on his way getting up. Yep. Referee, you do not stop that fight in that moment. I hope Dana White. Uh, whoever is in charge of the referees yeah. got on your ass after that fight. Yeah, you know, and man. I'm pretty sure Dominique Cruz had a few words for you, buddy. He was cussing out of the cage. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he said a few foul words to you after that fight. Yeah. But um, before the fight, I was kind of, I, I, I was kind of, I wanted the main thing, one of the things I wanted to see was how Dominique was going to look. You know, how he was going to look. But he was moving. He was moving good. He was getting his legs tore up in the beginning. And I was like, wow. Like, big kicks. Big kicks. I mean, powerful kicks that Cejudo was putting on his legs. But Dominic was still moving. Yeah. You know, I don't know. This, this, the, the, I feel like that fight, if it wouldn't have been stopped, it could have been a really close one. Because Dominic had started finding his, you know, finding his spacing and yep. landing some shots on Cejudo there in the second, in the second round, he early was. in the early second, second round. Yep. So I don't know how that fight would have win if it wouldn't win stop. Uh, if it wouldn't have been stopped, I picked Dominic Cruz in this fight to win. And I think if it wouldn't have got stopped, he probably would have pulled pulled it off. But who knows? We he lost, so um, Cejudo retains and then he re- retires after the fight. That's a bunch of BS. But yeah, we're gonna talk what, about it. What do you really feel about that? Like. Yeah, you know, go back to the fight real fast. I thought I thought Cejudo was winning the fight. I think Cruz was trying to find his niche, get his legs back, trying to get his spacing like you were saying. He started to find that early in the second round, but his legs were taking a beating. Cejudo was chopping his legs. I'm talking about violently. He was violently kicking Dominic Cruz, but the stoppage was trash. The stoppage, the stoppage was whack. That shouldn't have happened like that. Like, this referee was incompetent. He shouldn't have been refereeing a championship match. That was totally ridiculous that what we saw. Because when he stopped the fight, I was like, did, 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 did Cruz quit or something? Did he tap? Like, why is the fight over? I'm looking like, oh, that must have been a mistake or something like that. You look at the replay, the man is getting up. He's moving around. He's not incoherent. He's not passed out. He's not wobbly. He was taking shots, yes, but he was still making his way back up. You don't stop a fight like that. You don't stop a match, a championship match like that. 
And and, I, and that was the first time Dominic Cruz got stopped. Yeah. On some fluke stuff, fluke. bro. It was fluke. It shouldn't have went down like that. So I feel bad for Cruz, but I'm going to keep it real. So Hudo was winning the fight. He was the faster guy. He was landing the bigger punches. He was landing the bigger kicks. But like you said, like if the fight would have kept going, Cruz probably would have got it together and probably pulled the upset like he did defeating TJ Dillashaw coming back, you know, winning the championship like he did. It just sucks uh, that that fight ended like that. But um, I don't know if we're going to see Cruz again. You know, I don't know. Like, you don't. Cruz is not going to come back to fight the uppercomers. Yeah. Cruz is coming back to fight the big fights and fight for championships. And it sucks that, you know, potentially that was our last time seeing him going out like that. Yeah. But at the end of that fight, like you touched on Black, Henry Cejudo just just went out there and retired from mixed martial arts. arts. He's a liar, Black. (laughs) Henry Cejudo is not retiring. Like, he wants money. He gets out there and throws that fake retirement like he got a girlfriend now and they talk about having a baby and stuff like that he's not even 30 years old yet he retired from wrestling early and he's gonna retire from mma he don't have nothing else to prove like just a bunch of hogwash so so do you uh believe the rumors they saying about him going up to uh 145 no he's too small He's too small to go up to the forty to featherweight division. If he goes up there, guys like Max Holloway <laughs> and Ortega, like these bigger 145ers are waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And he's too small. He is a bantamweight. He's a bantamweight. He he was a he used to be the flyweight champion and he was big for a flyweight. But he does he needs to be at bantamweight and he's too small. Now he can go up there, but who's he gonna fight? Who's he, who's he gonna fight at 45? Uh, who's the champ? I forgot who the champ was. Uh, who just beat Max? Yeah, I, I can't, can't think uh, of his name. Uh, Volant, Volcon, something like yeah, that. The dude yeah, from Russia. But, like, nah. Uh, nah. Nah. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see it, but nah. I heard they, you know, they did say, though, it was some speculation that he would see if he could, it's something he could do at 45. He wants money. So who don't wants money? He wants notoriety. He wants to be one of the biggest stars UFC has. I don't think he really wants to do what, you know, what. Demetrius Johnson and those guys, you know, nah. did, like clean out the division. Nah. And he hasn't fight, done that. Just fight who's in the division. I don't think he wants to do He wants big fights. I understand that. Yeah. And, and, and rightfully so. But I saw some rumors on Bleach Report that he might be entertaining WWE oh, wow. as well. Wow. WWE might be calling, you know, offering up some money. So a lot of these MMA guys are interested in going to the WWE, you yeah. know. But, you know, I guess we'll see. But him retiring from the sport, he's not even 30 years old. No way, sir. I don't see that happening whatsoever. All right, let's go to the main event, man. And what a slugfest it was. What an entertaining <laughs> bout it was. It went five rounds, three minutes and 39 seconds in. You had Justin Gaethje being crowned the new interim lightweight champion, defeating Tony Ferguson uh, last night, man. And Black, just what, what was your thoughts on this, this spectacle <laughs> of a fight, man? So Man, what you think, Black? What you think? Man, this was it was a great fight, man. Mm-hmm. It was a great fight. Like, I I think not having a crowd there and being able to hear all of them shots and them pops. I mean, Ferguson was getting hit so hard it felt like a shotgun was going off. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like the the shots that he was taking, man, and not going down was crazy to me. Like, I could just imagine how his head and his face feels felt this morning. I knew he had to be feeling crazy. Like, shout out to Ferguson, man, because he was game. Like, he was taking them shots, man. But 
Gaethje came out with a mission. He was on a mission, man. He was. And he, and, he, and, was. And he proved that. I really thought Ferguson would have came out there and uh, imposed his will right. on, on Gaethje, which he was trying to do. He but was. Gaethje was game, man. He was just like, no, bro. Like, I'm going to keep hitting you with these things until, yep. <laughs> until I can't hit you no more. And yep. then I want to give credit to Gaethje's uh, coach. Mm-hmm. He came when Gaethje, Gaethje was a point in that fight. Gaethje was hurt in he the was. second round because uh, Tony Ferguson hit him with a crazy uppercut mm-hmm. that that put him on his knees. And uh, he went back to his corner and his coach got in his face like, look, wake up. Stop throwing everything into your punches. Yep. Touch his face. Touch yep. his face and let him know you're there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you want you know what happened in the past when you put all your face and you, I, I mean, all your... All your power into one punch and just throwing crazy, and then you you get your eye off the prize, and then you lost those fights. Mm-hmm. So I feel like his his coach played a big part in that, yeah. and getting him back on the right track because it was a point that fight could have been over, could have been Ferguson way, but yeah. it didn't go that way. Mm-hmm. For I mean, uh, Gaethje came back out there, man, guns blazing, man. I mean. Hitting him with combination uppercuts, like just hitting him with everything in the book. Big you shots. literally seen everything, every punch you wanted to see. You seen it from Gaethje. You seen it like Big combos. Shots. He was hitting them to the to the belly, combo belly, head, like everything, man. It was a point where Ferguson was so spent from the shots, like he couldn't do nothing but turn around and freaking shake like his body. Like it was a shot Gaethje hit him with. I think he hit him with a right. right. He hit him with a left to the body, then came over with the right. Yeah. And Ferguson's whole body just, his whole body just turned. Yeah. Like from those shots, man. Doing and the then, stinky leg out there. Like it, it was crazy to watch. And then the refs were right for stopping that fight, man, because Ferguson was done, he man, was done. on his feet. He, he just happened done. to be on his feet done, you know? He yeah. didn't never go down in a fight, but he was done standing up. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was but, done. But, man, hey, shout out to Gaethje, man. He was gamed. Uh, he earned some of my respect in this fight, yeah, yeah. you know, because it was reasons why, you know, I was looking for Gaethje. You know, I wanted yeah. something to be something to be handled with him. But he he got me looking and got me worried about him a little bit moving forward. I, I agree. I mean, look, <laughs> this was a great contest. These both both of these guys had the will to not lose. Both of these guys wanted to win. And 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 I said before the fight, I didn't think Justin Gaethje was gonna be ready for Tony Ferguson. I didn't think he was. Um, but he proved me wrong. I mean, this kid was with it. And like you said, the coaching probably was the difference in this fight. If Gaethje would have kept going on a run, he was going, he either one would have gassed out or he would have got caught with something that would have put him away. But listen to his coaches. He paced himself. His coach kept saying, just throw and hit clean. Clean shots. You don't have to throw and throw with everything you got. Mm-hmm. Let's outpoint this guy. And Gaethje, listen. And then we got to the fifth round, and, and, and you just seen, man, Tony Ferguson just didn't have nothing left. This dude is a warrior, <laughs> yes, a yeah. savage, man. And I feel bad for him because Ferguson hadn't lost in like six years. He's trying to get his world title shot, and Khabib can't fight again. And then he runs up against this young gunner, man. And, 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 and Gaethje did enough to win. He stopped him. He TKO'd him in the fifth round. And now he's the interim champion. He doesn't want to be. He took the bet off right away and threw it on the ground and said he wanted to fight for the real one. Kind of a la uh, GSP. When GSP was the interim champion, he wanted to fight BJ Penn. And he took the belt off. He took the belt off and said, I don't want that. That ain't the real belt. I want to fight the real champion. I want to get the belt. So look like we're going to be getting a Justin Gaethje, a Justin Gaethje and Khabib Nagamenov. 
uh, lightweight championship fight. Yeah. Um, hopefully this year. It depends on how this thing kind of acts out here. But I'm excited to see that. Yeah, me I'm too. I'm excited to see Gaethje. And I, I, uh, we did get to see, you know, while Gaethje was doing his interview, Khabib uh, uh, did tweet and said no comment. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we're we, we going to see, man. I, I think I, I just know Gaethje, whoever, he's fight, he, whoever he fights, he's going to be gamed and he's yeah. going to be a problem, you know. Yeah. And, and I think the thing, the reason why the fight with Khabib uh, could be a good fight, because we know Gaethje has hands, but he's a real cast wrestler as well. Facts. You know, <laughs> but his pants so powerful, you really don't get to see the wrestling. Facts, facts. You know, so I think that's going to play a big part in this game because Khabib got to think about a lot now. Facts. You think about getting knocked out and this guy can potentially wrestle with me as well. Facts, facts. So I think we're going to have a good fight here brewing uh, for that lightweight championship. Facts. And looking forward to it. Really looking forward to what goes down there. All right, so that was our UFC coverage uh, for this week, UFC 249. Uh, but don't fret. We got two more UFC cards taking place. Uh, the first one is this coming Wednesday uh, here in Jacksonville. Once again, uh, your main event is Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith at light, uh, light heavyweight. You also got other fighters on this card. Ben Rothwell versus Ovent St. Peru. I'm interested in that fight. Ben Rothwell is an OG uh, coming back to fight St. Peru, uh, who's a pretty good fighter, man. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, and then you have some other guys. You got Ray Borg versus Ricky Simon, Carl Robinson versus Marvin Vettatori. So some good fights, some live sports we're going to get uh, on ESPN uh, this Wednesday. And then on Saturday, you got UFC on ESPN. This is not a pay-per-view. UFC on ESPN. This coming Saturday night. Your main event should be a good one. Uh, Alistair Overeem. Alistair the Reem Overeem coming back to uh, take her, to take on the returning Walt Harris. If you guys don't know about Walt Harris, um, they had his mask, you know, hunt to try to find his daughter who was missing. Sadly, ultimately, you know, they found her. She had passed away. And um, but Walt Harris has been through a lot. This is his first fight back in the UFC. And I'm just rooting for the guy and his family, you know, so they get back there and, and try to try to get their life uh, back to some type of normalcy. Uh, you got some other good fighters on, on this card. You got Edson Barboso taking on Dan Age. You got Eric Anders taking on Christoph Derofo. I uh, know I butchered your name, dog, but I'm sorry. And then you got Claudia Gadala versus Angela Hill. That's going to be a good fight uh, for the women's strawweight division. So that is this Saturday. So UFC fights on Wednesday and UFC fights on Saturday. All right, so we're going to transition out of the UFC. We're going to stop by the NFL, and we're going to get out of here. So, Black, this past week, the uh, schedule came out, all right, for the National Football League, man. We got a lot of time to talk about this schedule, man, uh, but we're going to stop by a couple of, a couple of things uh, right now because um, it's fresh off the press. And I guess we'll start with uh, the hometown team. <laughs> Shout out to Freddie Bricks. <laughs> Let's talk about the Jags. <laughs> I said the Jags. <laughs> All right, so the Jaguar schedule came out. Um, the 2020 schedule, man, and I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at the schedule, Black, and uh, I want to play a game with you real quick. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to call off 
the team, and I want you to tell me if it's a win or a loss now that we have the schedule. Just to have a – and we'll revisit this, but we okay. want to see where you at. All right, week one, we have the Indianapolis Colts here in Jacksonville. What we got, Black? Uh, I'm going to go – Come on, Black. Win. Win. Tennessee at Tennessee week two. Uh, loss. Okay, at well, Miami Dolphins coming into town on a Thursday night. Uh, win. Okay, so you got the Jags two and one. Yeah. Okay, the Cincinnati they go to Cincinnati week four. Loss. <laughs> they go to Houston week five. Loss. They welcome the Detroit Lions on week six. Loss. They welcome, they have a bye week seven. They welcome the Los Angeles Chargers. Loss. No, excuse me. They go to the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, loss. Okay. They welcome the Houston Texans week nine. Loss. Travel to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers week 10. Loss. Get the Pittsburgh Steelers here at home week 11. Loss. Cleveland Browns roll into town week 12. Loss. Head to the Minnesota Vikings week 13. Loss. Tennessee Titans roll into town week 14. Loss. Head to the Baltimore Ravens week 15. No, Baltimore's here. I'm sorry. No, it's not. At Baltimore. At Baltimore? Yeah, at Baltimore. Okay. Week 15. Loss. <sighs> Chicago Bears rolling into town week 16. It's week 16, and they, they lost 10 straight. That's basically what you just said. I'm going to go win. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go win. And to close out the season, week 17, at the Indianapolis Colts, what we got? Loss. So you got the Jazz going 3-13. and 13. Three and thirteen. Off that, right there. Off that. So, Freddie Ricks, if you have, if you just so happen to hear this man, we're going to be talking to you at a much later date, talking about this schedule. We kind of know if Freddie was sitting here, what uh, he lost his win loss uh difference would be. <laughs> On sixteen. On sixteen. So I mean, so not looking like a good year for the Jaguars. Black, you got him going three and thirteen without even really thinking about it. Okay. All right, man. So let's get in some. So let's get in some. Get into some of these uh, pivotal matchups uh, that are so attractive right now. Let's start with week three. All right, we got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football, Black. So for that type of game to be on on a Monday night, man, what do we think about that? Uh man, that's gonna uh that's gonna be a a great game, man. Absolutely. Um, this is going to be Pat Mahomes' first trip to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested. You you potentially talking about the two best quarterbacks in the league right here mm-hmm. in this matchup. And every time that these guys play, we've had fireworks. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited about this one. This could this has the makings to be one of the best games of the year in mm-hmm. Week Three. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, me too, man. That was one of the games that I seen uh, pop up um, when the schedule was released, man. Ravens and uh, Chiefs, man. Uh, game with the two last, the last two MVPs, man. Um, two young gunners in the league, man. As as stating they claim, so I'm excited for that as well. Black, did you see anything on the schedule that kind of uh, raised your eyebrow and made you want to talk, man? Anything with the schedule that you want to talk about? Yes, man. man uh, and also in week one, in week one, we get. The matchup people people been wanting to see for years, uh, mainly in the Super Bowl, we wanted to see this matchup. We get right. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, week one. Yeah. Uh, Tampa travels to New Orleans mm-hmm. at, uh, or at 425. So that game right there is going to be Oof. something to watch. Oof. You know, so we get that game as well. And then 
uh on Mon- on 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 kickoff. I'm really interested in this Houston and uh Kansas City game. You know, okay. Deshaun Watson is always game when he plays against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You know, so we might get some we might get something good here the first kickoff game of the year. But you know, I think it's I think I think Kansas City going they're getting their rings and everything. So and they're going to yes. be lifting the banner goal. I mean uh Yes. Uh, the championship thing comes goes up in the uh, stadium, so yep. I think Kansas City will pull this one out in an interesting ma- uh, game as well. Yeah, I was but, excited. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. but uh, like some of the games we got, man, are like are insane this year, man. If you if you like look at the schedule, some of these games, I just hold on. I'm gonna call out another one and to see uh another game that I'm interested in, which was a pretty good game last year, we got it at the end of the year, mm. was Buffalo and Pittsburgh. And that's, oh, when, yeah, we, that's, when, that's when we really start seeing Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen was like, man, he can he can yeah. do something. And Buffalo went to Pittsburgh and got yep. that dub, you mm-hmm. know. So I'm interested to see that as well. But and then you of course you you got uh New Orleans going to Tampa. And then we get we 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 get another great matchup between quarterbacks. We get New Orleans, mm-hmm. we get uh I'm sorry, we get uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers going to New Orleans mm-hmm. to play Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. So mm-hmm. that's, we're getting a lot of good quarterback matchups this year, man, that I'm excited about this year. So I'm looking forward to this schedule uh, moving forward. Yeah, just a couple of notable, another notable matchups that we got. You got uh, quarterback matchups this year. You got Brady and Brees twice. You got Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson in week two. Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson week three. Pat Mahomes and Drew Brees, week 15. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, week six. Uh, Russell Westbrook and Kyler Murray, man. Like, I think Kyler Murray going to be that dude, man. Like, you got a weapon in Hopkins, man. I think the Cardinals going to surprise some folks. But we got them twice a year. And then we're going to get uh, the top two quarterbacks taken in the draft this year. You're going to have Burrow and uh, Tua Tagliavioa, quarterback Alabama. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You're going to have them boys uh, taking off too, man. So, you know, we're going to dive deep into the schedule as we get closer uh, to the NFL season, man. But it's always fun to get the schedule, see where you at. You know, my Dallas Cowboys, we got a decent schedule this year. I think we're going to do our thing uh, this year as well, man. But it's so it's always fun to get your schedule, see where your team is playing, what time they playing, who you got before, who you got after, man. You got anything else on that, Black? Yeah, man. Um. I kind of want to put you on the hot seat as well. D. Oh, 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 you know. Oh, 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 so oh, oh, let's oh, oh. let's let's run through this cowboy schedule here. You know, it's only right that I put you on the seat as well. Gangsta, gangsta. So uh, week one, we got at the Los Angeles Rams. One and zero. Week two versus the Falcons. Two and zero. Week three at Seattle. Two and one. Week four versus Cleveland. We go there? Uh, no, they come to y'all. Three and one. Week five versus the Giants. Oh, please. Four and one. Week six versus uh, Arizona. We go there? No, it's home. Five and one. Week seven at Washington. No, six and one. Week eight at Philly. Hmm. I hate the Eagles. Seven and one. <laughs> Week nine at home against Pittsburgh. Eight and one. Week eleven at Minnesota. Eight and two. Week twelve at Washington. Oh, nine and two. 
Week 13 on Thursday night football at Baltimore. At Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) 10 and (laughs) 2. 10 and 2. Week 14 at Cincinnati. 11 and 2. Week 15 on Sunday night football at 820 at home against the San Francisco 49ers. At home? At home. 12 and 2. Week 16 at home against Philly. I give him a split. Week 17 at the Giants. 13 and 3. Third. Ooh, your yeah. Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, yeah. Your Dallas Cowboys will go 13 and 3 this year. Off that, what you just read me, the Dallas Cowboys will go 13 and 3 when the NFC East and possibly be the number one seed in the NFC. Thanks, the guys. All right. So that was dope. Yeah, that was yeah, dope. Yeah, 13 and 3. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you for putting me on the spot, Black. All right, man. So uh, that pretty much wraps up our show today, man. Uh, we're getting ready to get out of here. We got some other, a few things in the other news to, uh, to run by you guys, and we're gonna get out of here, man. So we got something special that we got uh, that we're um, that we're building up too. So all my wrestling fans, I know we haven't been talking much wrestling over the past few weeks, but you know we just been so so occupied with the last band, last dance, the NFL draft, so on and so on. All right, but the Attitude Era, probably the most popular. Best era in wrestling history turned 20 years old this year. All right. So me and Black, we're going to bring in PJ Durrell. We're going to get Freddie Briggs in here. We're going to talk to some of our big time wrestling fans. And we're going to pay our respects to the Attitude Era. We're going to bring up characters, matches, situations, just, just the overall attraction of the Attitude Era. We're going to be doing that, man. And we're looking forward to doing that. We'll probably be doing that uh, in the next couple uh, of the next couple of weeks. So it's going to be a special edition dedicated to the Attitude Era uh, with WWE. All right, man. So we're going to get into some other news. And we are going to get out of here. All right, Black. We got a few things here, man. So last night, watching UFC 249, we got the big news. All right, we got, a, we got, in my opinion, the GOAT, George Rush St. Pierre, the greatest mixed martial arts fighter of all time, is going into the Hall of Fame to the UFC. Record of 22 and 2. Former welterweight champion, former middleweight champion, the longest reigning welterweight UFC champion in the sports history is going in to the Hall of Fame. Mm. Congratulations, George Rush St. Pierre. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited for him, man. I'm excited for him. Um, I think George still got something left, but, you know, we won't get to see that. We won't get to see it. He's going into the Hall of Fame. I wish him the best. Uh, Like he said, uh, he... The GOAT, you know, wasn't one of my favorite fighters, but I respect sure. to him. Uh, and shout out to him on getting into the Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. GSP headlining the class of 2020 UFC Hall of Fame. All right, just a quick few things. Monday Night Football, all right? We're going to get some new announcers. Booger McFarlane and, and, and the other lead uh, uh, commentator, they're out. They have been relieved of their duties. ESPN is fast-tracking, trying to find uh, a new announced team there. All week long, we've been seeing 
Is Kevin Durant coming back? Will KD return? Will the Nets let him play? Will him and Kyrie enter the playoffs at the seventh seed and try to make some noise? I don't think so. I don't think Kevin Durant sits foot on the basketball court until next season. All right, that's a lot of speculation going on, but we'll keep our ears and eyes close to that here at the Sports Desk. And Black, a little bit of news for you. You probably didn't know this. Did you know that Edge, Edge, the rated R superstar, was offered by The Undertaker to break the streak at WrestleMania 24, and he declined. Edge did not want that on him to break The Undertaker streak at WrestleMania 24. Bet you didn't no, know that, No, I didn't Black. know that. All right, and last but not least, we got some more news coming out of Jacksonville. The Jags have their new backup quarterback. It is Mike Glennon. My God. Who is coming to Jacksonville <laughs> to back up Gardner? Mitchu Black, how you feel about your new backup quarterback here in Dubo? Man, that shit is horrible, man. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Horrible. <laughs> there it is, man. There it is, man. So, yeah, Mike Glenn will be in Duval backing up Gardner Minshew, man. But all right, man. That's gonna that's gonna be that's gonna be it for today, man. Episode fifty seven of Sports Desk, man. We had a great time breaking down the last dance, talking some UFC and some NFL uh, schedules, man. So we'll be back, of course, next week with more content, man. Uh, breaking down and finishing up the last dance. We are currently watching the Money in the Bank pay per view by the WWE. Seth Rollins is going for another WWE championship. Uh, we'll see if he can take that from Drew McIntyre. I don't think that he will. I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I don't think that he will. Black, you got anything else for our listeners, man, before we get out of here? No, man. Just appreciate all the love and all the uh, support that we get here on the sports desk. And uh want to wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Hope y'all enjoyed y'all day, man. It was about y'all today. And we appreciate all our mothers. Yeah, facts, man. We hope all, all you mommies out there, all you mommies who are, you know, <laughs> you guys make the world go round, man. Honestly, man. You know, without mothers, man, it wouldn't be nothing out here, man. So we just thank everybody. We just thank all the mothers, man. Uh, thank you for everything. Um, and last but not least, man, it was my birthday this past weekend. You know, like I said, so I just want to shout out to everybody who showed love to me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, you know, my family, my friends. I just really appreciate um all the love and support. I was overwhelmed for a little bit, man, uh, on Friday. Um, it was just dope to kind of, you know. Kind of hear from people who 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 care about you uh, a tad bit, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much all we got. So you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Instagram at Reduce Lunch Sports, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dedrick Hicks Jr. Uh, both handles on there. Black, where can they find you? And you can you can uh, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Black Enl Three. Yes, sir. All right, man. So this has been another episode of the Sports Desk. We'll be getting with y'all soon and very soon. The following announcement has been paid for by the Reduce Lunch Action Sports News Desk. Are you kidding, bruh? Man, hell no. You're listening to the sports show. New Sports Desk. Thanks to Giz. Thanks to Giz. I am back. What it do, baby? Boy, what? What did you do in camp?